Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Hey, Santa, you could win in APCO's Cash for Chrissy competition. That's right, APCO Joe. There's 1K to brighten your day. And 1K to give away to a mate for Christmas. APCO's Cash for Chrissy, on now at APCO. Shop <laughs> the Maggie's Magnesium Range at Chemist Warehouse, now starting from just $3.19. This is Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Good morning. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ, Wednesday the 13th of April. Oh, yesterday I said I'd love to be in Auckland. I'm halfway there, halfway there. I'm in Wellington this morning, uh, doing, the, doing the show out of Wellington. So if anyone's in Wellington, I'm going to ask you later on for the show for a ride to the airport at about 9.15. That'll save me a wee Uber. So we'll wrap into that very, very shortly. But I was halfway up to Auckland to... Just pay Joe a visit. Can't wait to see him next time. Uh, hopefully in a couple of days' time. Anyway, we've got a good show for you today. We're going to have a wee chat to Carl Hall. He's over in the UK. He actually went to the UK with Uncle Kempi in 89. Never came home. So he left us. He's the vice president of the RFL, and he's going to come on the show and just talk about the league over in the UK. So looking, to, looking forward to hearing Uncle have a wee chat to his lost mate that he took over and never brought home. So all his family will probably be pretty angry at you, Uncle. But anyway, looking forward to that, mate. And after that, we're going to have a wee chat to Ricardo Christie. He's the last Kiwi to be on the W World Surf League. Uh, he's in Gizzy at the moment. We're going to talk to him about the Rip Curl uh, Bells Beach um, competition, thirty-two round of 32, that is about to start shortly. We're going to chat to him um, about that and what he's been up to. He's a real estate agent. And Gizzy, he's selling real estate. He's still surfing. He's an absolute top bloke. So looking forward to having a chat to Rick Christie. And then after 8 o'clock, oh, we've been, we've been waiting for this one for a while. I messaged Smithy, Wayne Smith, a couple of weeks ago. He was held to ransom by NZR. And you can understand why. They've had a big, big review. And uh, we're going to have a wee chat to Wayne Smith. We're going to have a wee chat to Wayne Smith after 8 o'clock. About what's unfolding and what's he been, you know, how's how's he been enjoying the new challenge that's in front of him, coaching the Black Ferns, and uh, hopefully doing his best to get that, uh, you know, World Cup win come later in the year. So we're gonna have a talk to the professor, Mister Fix It, Wayne Smith, after eight o'clock for a McCafe coffee catch up, and then to finish the show, one more sleep, lads, one more sleep till the most anticipated harness meeting. And the race in Cambridge. You boys will be right up and about. You're taking Aroha. A bit of, you, hopefully you're taking Aroha for a little uh, trip too. It's not just about you guys. You've got to look after the whole team. But anyway, we're going to talk to Jack Trainer, And he is the trainer for the only mare in the race, Stylish Memphis. And Stylish Memphis has drawn one. And we spoke yesterday, yesterday about Self-Assured. If Self-Assured has any chance in this race, it's going to need a lot of speed. So... I don't know if it's cheeky of us if we do this, Louie, but when we get Jack Trainer, can we just tell him to really go for it at the start and just blow everyone else out so we can just, 
you know, if we got any chance, or <laughs> we could, yeah, we could try. That, we could try. That. We could try. But part I, of I imagine he'll be like, <laughs> "Wait, who are you guys again?" Oh, he's still at the SENZ. Um, unlucky. That's all part of your plan in this little yeah. at the end of the day, though. This, you know, we're well, doing it for a reason. Hey, nah, we can be a bit more one, subtle mate. than that. We can say, hey, yeah. Jack, that looks like there's a bit of pace in the race. That, <laughs> you, you, you might have to kick up pretty hard so they don't come across you, eh, mate? Yeah. Yeah, they're right. That's, that's, that's all part of the plan, Louis. That's all part of the plan. But, no, we've got a nice show. Nice show. About 10 minutes before, I was thinking we, we messaged Ricardo last night or I messaged him, you messaged him, and he is uh, in Gizzy, and they live a really relaxed lifestyle there, and they don't, they live in their own little world. So if you're in Gizzy, love the place, and obviously the Cyclone, the big couple of weather bomb hidden news uh, in the next couple of days, so we'll have a chat to him about that as well, yep. how that's been going, and weirdly, if everyone's all safe. Weirdly, I was going to send um, my partner Shannon around to knock on his door. She's actually down there waiting for the weather bomb. Oh. For, for News Hub. Oh. So she's down in uh, Tolaga Bay, and she was there all day yesterday, and it was kind of this weird calm before the storm in that part of the world because they've just been smacked mm. up real bad by that last cyclone, and she said all the debris was everywhere, but it was this unbelievably stunning day where it was nice and quiet, and then late last night, and I think throughout today, they're expecting it to get gnarly, so... Um, I was going to go and get her to knock on Rick's door and say, hey, can you just get him to answer his phone tomorrow morning? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been good. He's, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Rick's not out there surfing. He's that bloody mad. Any surfer that goes out and surfs those big waves, that bloody mad. But if you're in Gizzy and you're in the East Coast area and you've been affected where we're thinking of you, stay safe. I know it's um, been pretty tough times, particularly uh, with the rivers. You spoke about the debris constantly lying in the 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 ocean's edge so uh yeah we're, we're thinking of you and looking forward to having a chat to him but uncle we've got carl hall coming on mate looking forward to that one of your good mates that funny story you see you've always got a story for everything no, mate. but the story is you went over you, you always went you went over with him in 89 and he never came back mate yeah look i, I went over, i actually went over before that i went over in 86 um 86 yeah. 87 back in the old days where you could go over from New Zealand and play a few games in what they called the off-season. Now, that was when we played winter here. Uh, it was summer up in the UK. They Then they went to a winter season, so you played back-to-back. And you did that oh, I did that for a number of years before they turned a Super League in 95. Um, but on the Kiwi tour, we were going up there with the Kiwis in 89. It was my, my first year in the Kiwi side. And, uh, yeah, they were looking, Doncaster were looking for some players. And I told them about a couple of players that I knew down here, a couple of good mates of mine, and Carl Hall was one of them. And he went up there and ended up staying up there, mate. Never came home. Um, just a really good bloke. Played at Mount Albert here. He, he's a junior, he was a junior Kiwi. Played Austra- um, New Zealand schoolboys, junior Kiwis, and was headed, you know, on that on that pathway into the New Zealand side, but ended up in the UK. Ends up buying the club. That's what happens. He ends up buying the club. And the next minute, he's vice president of the RFL, mate. So a real good story of just a, a Kiwi boy done good up in, in England and currently he's heading the um, Pacifica group of of Kiwi players and Australian players that are up in the UK uh, he gets them together you know builds an environment around them keeps them all nice and tight uh, and also has worked with the Doncaster City Council to host Samoa while they come up to the to the UK for the World Cup 
um, at the end of this year. So, mate, plenty to talk to him about. Good bloke. Uh, can talk about himself, so we're going to have to keep him on on track. <laughs> Loves to talk about himself, so but that's Hawley, mate. He's just a champion bloke. Yeah, looking forward to that. Must be a league thing. Must be a league thing. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> if all those all those live reads, you're constantly talking about your your new hairdo and, oh, mate, and, and how good at farming you are in St Mary's Bay. Uh, I wouldn't be throwing you know, rocks. I, with, I wouldn't be throwing rocks <laughs> while you've got Daisy's top on this morning. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> <laughs> you know what they say about Brown Brothers? Pink, mate. Pink. pink. Oh, Only ones that can get away with salmon, salmon or salmon. pink. Salmon. <laughs> yeah, little little salmon pink, mate. Um, so yeah, yeah, looking forward to. It. But I'm in Wellington. When Wellington did the game last night, it was so weird, so weird doing a, a Super Rugby game on a Tuesday night, a Tuesday afternoon. So um, yeah, I was in Wellington last night. Did the game Moana Pacifica v. The Hurricanes, I know you would have watched that, Uncle, and you picked it, 41 points. And so you got a little fill-up at the tab. Well done, I got another little hiding. No, no good. Try to back the power play. Mate, I, I, third try. I actually laughed. DJ Piranada, five bucks. I actually laughed because Louis sent a text out. I missed the... I was um, busy doing some work, and I, I missed the, the start of it, and I saw a text come up on my phone which from Louis saying, yeah, this is a close one, Daggy. And I thought... No, no way in the world. It's really tight. Must be nearly over. And I turn it on. It was like twenty three to two or something like that. So Louis, oh. he's good at taking the piss. Yeah, twenty three to two, Kempi. Yeah. That would make perfect sense. Yeah, we went. Oh, ten, oh we I'm thinking league schools, mate. It's only two for a year penalty. But jeez, um, I'm I'm through. We through went twelve and under. Eight. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. We, no, we went. We went. No, we went twelve and under for Moana, and they scored twelve. Yeah, so, and I, mate, I didn't yeah. know. I didn't. I just fifty three twelve. Yeah, I didn't. and I went twelve and under for Moana, so I got it right. I you got it, what did you? Yeah, <laughs> sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> but mate, I didn't know that Geordie and them were all out. Geordie and Savier, and they were just thinking, you know, like they're playing all right, and they 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 might kick on this this week. So I just had a look at the exotics, mate. Thought I thought between up to fifty points, I mate, when they were like at fifty, I thought shit, they're going to get seventy. Mm. They're just going to keep kicking on, but. Yeah. A couple of changes slowed him right down, and um, that ended up with a with a little tickle last night. So yeah, good to see the Hurricanes get that win too after the last couple of weeks. I think they would have been hurting still from that um, one of those one-eyed cannery people saying that it wasn't a penalty down <laughs> in the corner. Uh, but yeah, good on the boys last night, and good on Moana Pacifica too for for sticking at it. Uh, that's the thing with you know, that professional game: the longer the season goes on, the longer it gets for Moana Pacifica. Yeah, mate, they look tired. They look tired. That was their, their fifth or sixth game in 17 days, mate. And now they're going to go again on the weekend, uh, taking on the Landers, I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, no, taking on the Chiefs. So, that, mate, they got, a, they got a tough ass. They they are tired. They look battered. They look worn. The only reason I went 12 and under at the start, it was pouring down here. And I thought the only reason they'll be able to stay in this game, if it's slow and it's wet and it's muggy and yuck, and uh, it, it obviously fined up before the game, and then that, the Hurricanes were just too quick. Like their ball was LQB lightning quick, and they were just yeah, they were had, had no energy, no effort, and they just looked tired, Louis. They just looked real, yeah. real tired. And and you, you got to start thinking about that now. Like this is their sixth game in seventeen days. It's starting to take a toll on Aaron Major. He's been through forty-five players already in this competition. 
Well, I guess one thing is that it'll never ever be harder for Moana Pacifica, and that's probably what they're telling themselves. Like this is this is the hardest year, the first year, and they've got a lot of adversity to work through, and it's only up from here. And I think they have overachieved already in some capacities. One thing we we got to work out is I was going to ask you if you got any ideas. How do we fix them at the and their kind of line out? driving and mauling de- defence because at the moment they're relatively competitive right? around the ground obviously scrum was a bit touch and go and pretty hard to watch last night but it's around that kind of like tight in tight forwards is it like is there a way we can send like do they need micron for do we send someone down there for, you know like do we send someone there to do some upskilling for during the off season or for three weeks like a secondment just because I think we owe it to Moana Pacifica to help them get that part of their game better because everything else is it's mm. pretty good there's just one or two things and line out drive defense which is such a stupid thing to be like the ultimate weakness and to concede 20 points every game on but it's pretty hard to watch isn't it and uh, uh, look, it's, it's a question that's not only just for minor Pacifica. It's uh, obviously it's for all the island teams. You got Tonga, Samoa, uh, and Fiji. Like they uh, around the park and just real open play, they can match anyone uh, on the on their day. But it's just, it's the it's the little details and the what makes rugby different from from the any other games. It's those little games. And, and Rido spoke about the the scrum, the line out. If we didn't have it, then the it'll be game of sevens with fifteen players. So it'll be just a real open ending style of play. So that caters for all different sizes, which is great for them. Yeah, they, they need a bit of resources. They need a bit of resources. They've got Poliasi Manu, who has played a ton of Super Rugby. He's played an international. He went over to the World Cup in 2015. He's got a lot of experience. Whether he's, he's only just finished playing, so whether he's got enough experience to coach and have the right detail about what needs to unfold on, on the scrum and line-out. For the line-out, mate, I was with uh, Jeff Olsen, who has been a uh, part of SCNZ. He's doing a great job on there, talking about the lineouts and, and the driving more. And he, he brought up a great thing, like about, look, I hate referring to it, but the, the Crusaders and haven't had a lineout more scored against them for four to five years. And, and that's something that they take pride in every single week. And you've you got to think, with the mall, with the rolling mall, like technically there is a bit of detail that needs to happen. But basically, one thing I I spoke to Karen Reid a few years ago about the success of the Crusaders' defence with the Moor, and I said, what does it come down to? Like, what is the number one thing you really need to get right? And he just said to me, Dag, you want to know what it is? And he just pointed at his head, touched his head, and he said, mate, it's attitude. It's 100% attitude. It's 100% you want to get your head in there, and you want to stop them, you put in 100% effort. Like, the ones that really struggle is, is they don't really want to do those things. They, they're saving energy for the carry, for the tackle, you know, for other things instead of doing what's needed for them right then and there. So technically there is a little bit of detail, like, um, you know, maybe matching a game of chess, not matching the numbers that have been put in because at the moment they're probably leaving a few players on the lot, on the blind side. You know, like usually it's a 6v8 kind of style of, of rugby at the moment. And then those last two defenders join in to try and match it, but it's too late. The momentum's gone. So trying to match them early or, or just two, just matching them mentally. Attitude is key, and and, and I think that will go a long way. So at the moment, they're just not matching it mentally and uh, struggling. I think they've had seven tries in the last two matches at the line-out more, which is not a great watch, and it's and it's affecting them, Louis. So mm. tough, tough for Moana. Yeah, 
Good, good point. Is he aggressive attitude on defence and offence? You know what I mean. So defence mm. isn't just um, required when you're tackling. Defence is also required when you're attacking, and willing to uh, being able and willing to take that contact to another level. And you always knew which which players were really good at that, and and who you had next next year. Like especially in mm. in the game of, of league, like if you're a good defender because you knew that the bloke didn't mind getting stuck in, you know what I mean? Like ripped in, ripped in with the shoulders, really got his head in close and, and did it for 80 minutes. And the, and the same when they carried the football. Like it was that challenge, that collision challenge. Like, okay, I'm going to carry it. Okay, you're going to get tackled by me. And both of those defensive attitudes um, are really key when you're at the top end. And, and Izzy's right. If you're, if you're lackadaisical at that top end, you're going to get exposed. And and I saw that last night too, Louis, how they got pushed over um, when they had that feed down on five, the five-metre line and their line-outs so were just getting rolled around the, the mall, I guess um, you call it, Izzy. And, yeah, it is it is an attitude thing, but with the Moat Pacifica, um, the Pacifica boys, they are tired, you know, the attitudes, the attitudes are dropping because they're just fatigued. They're, they're tired, they're fatigued. And the other thing is, is he, you probably can't necessarily speak to this, but you know about cohesion on a rugby field. Um, Bears and Flem talk about mm. it all the time. I can imagine in tight, in a forward pack, in a line-out or a set-piece environment, and you look at, I think about the Crusaders, I think about the All Blacks and all the success they had. Well, they had the same guys, Owen Franks, um, you know, Cody Taylor, Dane Coles, Sam Whitelock, Brody Retallick, uh, you know, even going back further, Mialamu, Woodcock, Brad Thorne, Ali Williams, like the same core guys all of the time in that tight mm. five. Because when you're in, yeah. and we all, well, none of us understand the nuances of scrums, but you see a scrum move, they move as a, as one. It's kind of like, yeah. and a line out's the same. It's a harmonious piece of work where everybody's on the same page. So when you said, how many players have they had? 40 something. How hard is it to all get on the same page? Yeah. when you're constantly trading players in and out. So that must be a part of it as well. Yeah, occasion is, is a huge part. Like, obviously, we've got, we've got to give Moana Pacifica a time and, and look, time to find their feet. They've already surprised so many, not only them, Fiji and Drua over in Australia uh, as well. So, look, we've got to give them time. And someone's come on the text line, it's called cheating. No, it's not called cheating. What is cheating? Give us a bit more detail on that, mate. Tell me why it's called cheating. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, it's 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 difficult. But you look at last night. You look at last night. The Hurricanes put three or four backs. I think it was two backs into the lineout, and and Moana Pacifica didn't match them. So like, it's it's a game of chess. If your team's putting in another player, you've got to add another player to repel that because it's a numbers game. It's same as a scrum. When you lose a man, they've got to find. They've got to put a back on. They've got to bring on bring on a reserve um, forward to match it because otherwise you're just going to have no luck. At eight against seven scrum. Is uh, is disastrous. So look, it's it's a game of chess. You can do it. Um, I'm not probably fully qualified to talk about <laughs> it, but I've been around some, I've been around some guys, and I've asked the questions about the rolling more. And the biggest one I got from Kieran Reid, who's been there, is it's an attitude thing up top. You either want to stop it or you don't. Wow. And, um, that is that is that is the key. So oh, that's from my experience. Imagine imagine being in that Crusaders full pack now, thinking like. I'm not going to be. Told the, you. I'm not going to be the first one to concede a rolling wheel try. I'm not going to be. The, I yeah. refuse. Four years. Four years. I refuse mm. to be the guy that was in the team that conceded the rolling wheel try. Hey, there's a great question here from Richie about how we speed up time, wasted time at scrums. Well, do you know what we're going to do for you, Richie? 
on double eight double three, the Temper Bed Post text machine. We're going to take five minutes here. We're all going to have individual brainstorms, and Izzy, Kempi, and me are going to come up with our wackiest or best solution to speed up the game at scrum time. And I know what Kempi's answer is already, but we'll hear it <laughs> after this. Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Baz over in Mumbai. Great to catch up with him yesterday. If you missed that, head to our podcast channels. Here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. We are 27 minutes away f- uh, past 6 o'clock. We're not 27 minutes away from anything. We nearly are. Um, scrums. How do we reduce wasted time spent at scrums? How about if a penalty or free kick is given for a scrum infringement, you can elect to have another scrum. Unless you're in the attacking 22, you can tap it and... Oh, you can't elect to have another scrum unless you're in the attacking 22, you either tap it and kick or kick it. I don't mind that, Richie. You're essentially saying less scrums. I don't want to rule out and make front rowers and props. Like, I don't want to upset props and front rowers in the tight five here because, the, as Kieran Reid said, they're an important part of the game. We don't want sevens except with 15 aside. What I want to know is why don't we have a shot clock for set piece? Why don't we have a shot clock for not just scrums but for line-outs so you, Scott Barrett can't do what he did at the end of the game the other day, which is start a huddle 40 metres away from where the line-out is, do a huddle, and then walk there very slowly. I would have a 10-second or a 15-second, maybe 20-second shot clock for your full pack to get bound and get ready to uh, squat into the scrum position. If they're not there, I'd give a short-arm free kick to the other side. And same with line-outs. I would give... You have to be in line with your right numbers in the line out within, say, 15 seconds, or it's a short arm penalty to the other side. That's what I'd be doing, is he? Oh, nice, nice. That's uh, that's a great idea, mate. Um, oh, this is uh, anything I'm, I say from an outside back is going to be laughed at. But uh, for me, <laughs> look, I, I think the reason it's so slow sometimes, I, I feel maybe the, the hit... You know the hit. You know we're pre- when we were engaging, and then we do the hit. That's when it's constantly collapsing and going down. So it's maybe tinkering with the hit. And I know league they do it uh, differently. They're just they're, they're more leaning. They're not hitting. But maybe the uh, initial the initial hit is more of a I don't know like more of a crisp situation, so that we're not getting the the scrum collapsing and we're not getting props go down because when they're collapsing is when that is straight off that initial hit when um, the props aren't in a position, they're not straight, they're not flat, so they can't, their body uh, motion's going down. So maybe getting a lot closer and then just doing a, a smaller initial hit. We're not taking away the whole scrum, but a smaller initial hit. And then, like you said, got to get the ball. And once the ball's past the hooker's foot, if it collapses in, just play on. Play you know, on. I don't feel like the, just play on. Like the ball's kind of like near the back of the scrum. Player safety's already out the door, I know the reason they blow it up is player safety, but they've already gone down, so why don't we just get the ball out and uh, and get the game going? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Kimpy? Player safety is paramount, though. Mm. Yeah, look, I think you've got to be really careful here. You know, I made a mind, um, Doc Van Prague, David from down home, like built like a front row. If you take away the scrums, then he doesn't play top-line football. Um, mm. And you've got to say the same thing, too, about your giraffes. You know, if you take away the scrums or the lineouts, and they don't play football because it becomes rugby league. It's just an athlete playing with an oval ball. So I think a real easy fix, Louis, you're right, is put a put a clock on it. I think you put a clock on it. And I think the other fix is you give them one shot at it. 
So as soon as they have one shot, they've got to get it right. And you, know, so you imagine if the five-meter scrum, they, they've got to get the shot right if they were looking to, to take, pick it up and roll with it or whatever they're doing with it. If they miss that, um, then they basically hand the ball over, give it to the other side, tap it and go. But then you'll get teams bringing it, that teams that aren't good at scrum time, that know that they're, uh, they can't compete, will just be bringing it down to avoid that? Yeah, well, mate, then... That goes to answer your other point. Then start to hire the coaches that are going to. I'll tell you. I'll tell you now. If you said you get one shot at it, every the first person that gets hired tomorrow is a scrum coach. Yeah, Jace Ryan, <laughs> Mike Cron. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, remember, remember when they uh, look? There's there's going to be a lot of. There's always going to be a lot of things that they're going to try and tinker with. Remember a few years ago when they had the collapse mall. Like you could collapse every single more and it turned an absolute <laughs> mess. That's and it was right. so yuck. That was terrible. Um, yeah, so look, th- there will be a lot of tinkering with the rules and, and situation. Look, we're always constantly trying to speed the game up, but I think the underlying factor, and you touched on it, Uncle, like there's, it is a situation with the front rowers. They've pretty much got no support of their arms. If it collapses, their heads are going straight into the ground. It's a compromising situation, so safety is paramount. We always want to speed the game up, but we want to keep those big boys and the forwards safe um, any way possible. So I don't want to say something that's going to... You know, cause you'll get a few calls. You're, eh, you're terrified. Yeah, calls. You're yeah, terrified. Yeah. Owen Franks is listening right now. Admit it. You're terrified. Well, yeah, because safety's safety's key. And look, there's so much pressure going through that front row. Look, I wouldn't even want to be in there. So yeah. Uh, mm. Being an ex-prop, scrums like rolling mules are an attitude thing. That's from Richie. Well, I wouldn't necessarily know, but I kind of see where you're coming from there, Richie. They and- are get out of those mules as quick as you can. <laughs> Uh, Izzy, for me, your best. The, the, I think that the other, the only other thing I really wanted to say was referees. If the ball is passed, the hook is uh, the ball has been hooked. Move on, let it out. Like, I'm sick of seeing the ball yep. at the, under the number eight's feet, and you're like, oh, and then the, yep. then the whistle goes. God, there's nothing more frustrating in rugby. Twenty seven in it. It is over reft. Yeah, it is over reft. You know, like they tell you every movement. 27 and a bit away from 7 o'clock. Loveracing.nz after this with some news around Levante. Here's Araha with the news for Kubota. Great question there, Richie. And if you've got thoughts, double eight, double three. Get in touch with us. Here's the news with Araha for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Five away from seven, and Thursday night, the race by Grins. I cannot wait for this. I watched uh, Michael Guerin and uh, Greg O'Connor did a special version of their show, The Box Seat, uh, and I watched it last night, and they did a runner-by-runner preview, and the in-depth analysis, I'm very excited. I've never been excited, so excited for a harness race. This is great. Well done, David Branch, everyone at Cambridge Raceway, because you have really hooks the imagination imagination of the racing public. Anyway, loveracing.nz is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. And a little bit of sad, disappointing news is the word. Levante, she's had a little injury and she's had a setback. And King Kelso thinks it's not going to be enough to keep her out of racing in the spring. And she's going to head to Melbourne in the spring and try and attack some of those fillies and mares races, the sprint races, and then maybe end up in the Empire Rose Group 1 that Melody Bell won at Flemington two years ago. But I'm a little bit worried 
because she is a five-year-old mare now, I think, and going into her, so she'll be six in the spring. You don't really want to have them having issues. I don't know exactly the details of that, but it's enough to keep her out of this weekend. Ken Kelso said it's nothing to, too serious to worry about, so we've just got to trust Ken and Bev. done such a good job with Levante. But it means that the thoroughbred breeders' stakes... Well, all of a sudden, you'd be thinking, oh, maybe we should have held Cinerama back a week and, and got some of that Group 1 prize money because there's only six horses in the race. She's beaten a few of them convincingly before. Coventina Bay is the clear top pick for me after the freshen up, although Tua Illicit is very, very sharp. She's in the race as well after a freshen up over the mile. Then you've got Imperatrice, the three-year-old filly. You've got Mai Tai, who ran a real big race in behind Cinerama last start. You've got Dragon Queen, who's found some nice form. And one more, one dream, one soul for Lee Somerville, the other filly, a little bit of a throw at the stumps there. So only six horses to close out our group, group one racing for the season this weekend at Tarapa. To elicit Coventina Bay, who has a clear idea of, of where your head's at here, Kimpy, you got a pick? Uh, you'd have to go Coventina Bay at, at you know after its last two runs, but man, I just again, it's one of those races that's pretty hard to pick, and I think you know maybe Al's had a look at that too and gone the same thing. You know, if we're going to run our girl for the last time, we probably want to run her in something that she's a fair dinkum chance of winning. So, mate, I don't know, I. Look, I find that one a little bit too hard to to get my head around. Um, I would love it to go back to Taranaki. I would love it to go back with Coventina Bay. Uh, Levante, like you said, I think, why not take it Aussie? You know, she goes to the she goes to the far side and and misses it by a nose as a second Kiwi horse home behind Rockin' Horse. Um, you got to you got to say if she went to the inside there, she probably runs Rockin' Horse really close, and they beat all the best sprinters in Aussie. So. Um, yeah, the the injury is a bit of a worry, Louis. I I agree with you. I, I feel really, I, I sort of makes me cringe a little bit when I hear of a horse of that caliber with an injury because you just never know what they come back like, and you and and trainers will never ever tell you exactly what's wrong with them. Exactly. So it just leaves you a little bit ooh like that. Lots of racing this weekend. We've got three meets: Riverton, Hastings. And Tarapa. So a big Saturday. Lollipop, Dag, Coventina Bay, or to Alyssa? Who do you like? I've got no idea, mate. Can't even pick my nose lately. So whatever. Whatever. What do you want to win? What do you want to win? <laughs> Coven- no, yeah, Coventina Bay, Coventina mate. Bay, no, Coventina Bay, mate. No, I'll, go, I'll go to Alyssa then. No, I'll stop <laughs> it. Hey. Honestly, I'm sick of that game. Anyway, move on. <laughs> oh, that's a bad There are people like that, eh? I'm only back on grey horses, only back on names. As it goes, I only back losers. It's a very sad, it's a very sour lollipop he's sucking on. Um, hey, just your cult you, that you and Bears have, this is so you think, right? Oh, Louis, Louis, Louis. Why'd you bring it up? You must have been in my emails. Oh, why? Been in what, what's going on? Emails. Got an update last night, just about. Just before I was about to go on, and look, and you both be able to just really oh. steer me in if this is a bad or a good email. You want me to read it out? Read it out. Ah, uh, oh. yeah. Give us some info. <laughs> he arrived back into the stables yesterday. He is settling in okay, but is still having a good look around and sweated up quite badly going onto the track this morning. So I think at some stage we'll need to get him gelded. He is just a bit of a thinker. <laughs> It's not a problem and won't affect his ability, but just bear with us. 
We might need to make that decision at some stage. In the meantime, we will steadily step his workload up and ensure that he is coping well at each stage before putting him under too much pressure. Ideally, we'd have him trialling around mid-May. So you think it's it's the thinker. It's not a <laughs> he's a bit of a thinker. It's not a bad thing, is he? I mean, like the reality is, it would have been it was a very long shot that you guys were about to produce one of the great stallions of our time. Like yeah, these cults, mm. like ninety eight percent of these cults need to be gelded. I don't know if that's the actual stat, but they they just because yeah. they overthink, they see all the the fillies and mares around. They get anxious, they get all worked up, they get all angry. Sometimes it can make them too aggressive. It can. They just need to be relaxed. And here's one, on the bubbles. They gelded on the bubbles when they necessarily, I don't know if they wanted to. Um, and all of a sudden, he became an absolute workhorse and just loved his work. And what I was going to say about So You Think, he had three, side three Group 1 winners at Randwick on Saturday. So he is a stallion who is absolutely on fire. You have got yourself such a nice type. I'd be excited for him to be gelded because it'll focus him and you're going to have a very fun time racing him. 19 away oh, from Louis. Louis, <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you. All I, all I could think about was when you were describing was, was your All Blacks day in a nightclub. Anxious, nervous, <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> Kimpy. I that's not what they're saying. They reckon you used to cut it up on the dance floor, mate. Gary from Takapuna wants a word. It's 18 and a half away from seven. Quizzy Dag <laughs> coming up after this. Give us a skill. Oh, Aaron, 150811. And the quizzes, it's easy. It's this, you, one personal run through this one. I've seen it. Come see us. Shop the Maggie's Magnesium Range at Chemist Warehouse. Now starting from just $3.19. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. This is how you do it, Quizzy that come play it. This is how we do it, Quizzy that come play it. Quiz is on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie, phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs, TAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you wise. If you're wrong and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy that come play it. Quizzy that come play it. Oh, 800. 150. 811. Now give us a call. Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Bopping at the TAB Studios, SENZ for Tony. Here we go. Let's rip into it. We've got Wade on the line from Christchurch. Morning, Wade. Morning, boys. Morning. Morning, 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 mate. Uh, is this your first time on Quizzy Dag? Certainly is. So be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Thank you for calling in, mate. I'm going to be gentle. Good luck. Good luck. I've seen the quiz. She's 100% gettable. We'll rip into it, eh, bud? Good luck. Here we go. Question number one. How many games have the Warrior has Warriors player Marcelo Montoya been suspended for? How many games? Oh, you got to phone a friend. you got to phone a friend too, Wade. you got to phone a friend from Uncle Kenny. I might have to use the old coach. He might, he might come in handy here, please. Oh, Richie no, Blackmore what? wore this number. Well, you wore a number of numbers, Kimby. Or two, three, four. 
Well, you can um, only choose one. I'll of go them. three. No, Kimpy. 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 Nice, Kimpy. I can't. That was gentle. Uh, Apart from sorry, Wade, brother. Away. Have a good day, bro. Call us back tomorrow. Love to have you on, man. All right, Chris. Uh, call number two, Mark. Morning, Mark. Morning, lads. How are you? Yeah, Marky. Here we go, mate. Serious offence. Surely. How many games oh, has Warriors player Marcelo Montoya been suspended for? Terrible behaviour. Suspended four. Yeah, four. <laughs> four games. <laughs> <laughs> nice, what are you doing to me? It's a game that's answering the question. Anyway, question number two. Here we go. Who scored the Football Ferns' only goal last night in their 3-1 loss to the Matildas? Uh, Five. Don't know much about the soccer. Um, nah, Ooh. boys, I'm, I'm out. Two. Oh, he didn't even, didn't even want to phone a friend. Want a clue? Want a phony? Nah. Oh. All right, Mark. Cheers for your call, brother. Appreciate it. Going to go to Luke in Dunedin. Lukey. Morning. Morning, up. Morning, Lukey. Who scored the football ferns? Only goal last night. Their loss against the Matildas. Wilkinson. Yes. Wildcats are well said. Nice. Question number three. Which NBA team does former NZ Breakers player... Sorry, I'm losing the plot here. Which NBA team does former NZ Breakers player RJ Hampton play for? Well, we'll find a friend on this one. Puff the... <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> Puff the dragon. Puff the magic. Oh, Orlando magic. Kimpy. That is great. I love it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You cracked me up. Great song. Puff the magic dragon. Sorry. Anyway, question number four. If... The answer is self-assured. What is the question? Who's drawn eight in the race? <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> or would have accepted who is about to win the race on Thursday night. <laughs> hopefully. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Question number five. I tell you what, I read that and I was like, what if I just read? Anyway, <laughs> question five. Kiwi driver Mitch Evans made history at the Rome Eprix over the weekend. Which team did he drive for? Oh, Jaguar. Oh. oh, that is clinical quizzing. Just perfect. Sorry, not pre. It was pre, not pricks. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost. That's a good balooper. Hey, pray. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well done. Uh, <laughs> I've lost. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Well done. Jaguar Racing. Nice. Sorry, Daggy. Well done, Luke. Hey, well done, Luke. And uh, honestly, get a lot worse than finding self assured. Don't let the wide draw bother you, mate. Don't let the wide draw bother you. There you go. Luke has won Quizzy Day for today. And I tell you why not to let the wide, wide draw bother you too much. It's not ideal. We all know that. But Mark Purden 
he has he said that self-assured is about as good as he was when he won the New Zealand Cup last year. He is in a absolute mood. He is right up and about uh, a couple of years ago, I should say, the uh, New Zealand Cup, and he is he is right up and about. He's in a mood. Mark's got lots of one-on-one time. He's spending with them. And they're going to make a move at some stage. It won't be from the start. They're not going to cross them straight away. But eventually, Self-Assured is going to put himself right up in the race and he'll be too big, too strong for them. Lads fizzing for the race. Won't be able to make it up for the party it's going to be. Go well and win by two lengths. That's Jonty from P Naughty who has a share. He's one of the team that has a share along with David, Anton, Carolyn, Brett, Scott. Jason and SENZ self-assured towing our dreams in his sulky. It is six and a half away from seven this morning. Back to finish the hour after this. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Coming up to 7am this morning and we've got a big show after 7, a big hour of the show after 7. We're talking Northern Hemisphere Rugby League, the Rugby League World Cups later this year, Kempi. And you've got a, a guest lined up for us who's heavily involved in that. Yeah, well, that's right. When um, no, obviously not a, a lot of uh, information coming down at the moment about the World Cup at the end of the year. But yep, the World Cup, uh, which got postponed because of COVID last year, is on this year. And um, I've got a good mate up in England that's hosting Samoa up in Doncaster uh, as one of the host cities. And yeah, he's right across the board with all the Kiwi boys in there. Uh, looks after his own club. Has been. You know, asked to, to actually go into Super League and be a CEO of a couple of clubs there. Um, real interesting character, Carl. So uh, looking forward to talking to him. Carl Hall. And Super League season is in full swing. Elijah Taylor has been going really well, I've noticed. And then Ricardo Christie, because we're going to talk some surfing. Bell's Beach event is on, is he? And right now, I think Gizzy will be getting an absolute hammering so he can be our resident weatherman as well. Yeah, mate, yeah, we can absolute hammering, hammering, and the surfers, after it all calms down, we ride up because the waves at Wainui and Okatu will be flowing nicely, and he'll be right up. So looking forward to that next hour, especially talking about the Rugby League World Cup, because it was postponed last year, Kempi, and we've heard nothing about it. So long to have a look. good chat about that, brother. Looking forward to it. Coming up, I'm craving a McCafe about now. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Test at home with results in 15 minutes with Helgen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ. Well done, Joey Bell, DJ Joey. Just absolutely nailed it. I love that tune. Bit of temper trap, sweet deposition to get you started on your Wednesday morning, the 13th of April on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Tony Kemp, Louis Herman Watt and myself bringing you throughout the morning here on Wednesday. Oh, that song gets me excited. And what gets me excited too, I'm just having a wee look. Having a wee look, because soon we're going to have a wee chat about the Warriors campaign. They've named their starting team to take on the Roosters. Roosters, for me, I want to have a chat to you about them as well. Um, pretty underwhelming, I must say. They've won three. They've won three, but they've only just got over the Broncos in that last outing. 
And uh, a team like them, I, f- I feel like with the squad they've got, should be, uh, I don't know, putting in more clinical performance. So looking forward to having a chat about that shortly. And then after 8 o'clock, we're going to talk to the Professor Wayne Smith. Uh, can't wait to chat to Smithy. I've been on the airways many, many times talking about my favourite coach and uh, just an absolute champion. And he'll be doing his best to, to bring out the best in the Black Ferns after, well, that pretty big review that dominated the airways yesterday. So big, big couple of hours coming up. But right now I'm going to throw it over to you to introduce our good friend, your good friend, Carl Hall. I can't wait to speak to him too. And with the NRL back in full force in International Rugby League, not far away from making a return to our shores, we've got to remember the game breeze. Um, its own life up up in the far north of uh, the world where people forget about it, that cold place that um, my mate's gone to live in. Super League is humming and later this year the UK plays host the Rugby League World Cup which is well overdue. It was the 2021 World Cup, but Carl likes to call it the 2022 World Cup, but we'll argue about that later. He's a great mate of mine. I took him to the UK in 89, and he's never come home. He's now the top CEO <laughs> of Doncaster. He's uh, the, the ex-vice president of the RFL. Mate, he's even good mates with Mike Tyson. He's on the line now. He says hello. How you going, Hawley? How you going, boy? Yeah, all good, brother. All good, mate. It's a way. Well, nice good to, little introduction there. Thank you. <laughs> good to see you <laughs> haven't lost your Kiwi accent either, son. I know when you talk to me, you try and roll out that Yorkshire accent. But, uh, mate, just tell us, what have you been doing? Uh, oh, mate, we've been busy with the World Cup stuff, but if you know what I've been doing this week, I've gone right back to uh, the days when you brought me here and the last two weeks or week and a half is school holiday camp, so... My legacy officer booked the uh, kids in for two weeks and then took two weeks holiday, so <laughs> I had to step up and <laughs> and I've been coaching the school kids the last uh, week and a half, mate, which I've enjoyed it. It's it's made me go right back to how I got to where I am today, and so you know it's it's brought back some good memories and I. Like, like to give something back. So just take us quickly through that, mate. I know you can talk underwater with a mouthful of marbles, but just just tell us <laughs> a little bit about where you come from, your junior days, and how you ended up in the UK. Yeah, well, obviously I'm a Mount Albert boy, played for Mount Albert, and um, played for the Auckland junior teams, and then got in the junior Kiwis with you, and we came over to England. Um Fell in love with the place, as you know, I, I did. Um, come back and we were playing. Uh, I went down to Canterbury and we were playing. Um, we are in the hotel and me and Andrew Vincent just started ringing all the clubs in England to see if we could, um, if there was a start over here. And as soon as we mentioned your name, we got in at Donny. So that, that was, <laughs> everything else takes care of itself. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, you hey, Carl, is you? he here, mate? Great. He is the king. He's come onto this show and he's brought some uh, good laughter, great, great insights, and some uh, wonderful calls on the game of rugby league, mate. And we love having him on the show. But uh, when he took you over in '89, mate, why, why did you stay and he came home? Why wasn't it the other way around? <laughs> oh, he listen. We came over just to have a bit of fun, and I, I love the place. Um, just, just the way they treated us, and you know, all the people were friendly, and I don't know. It was, I just thought this is this is me, you know. 
it was like playing at Carlow Park every week, and it was at Tattersfield, and it was a pretty rundown old joint. But you know, when you were playing in New Zealand, you only the main game was at Carlow Park. Well, we were playing there every other week over here, so I thought, yeah, this will do me. Hey, Hawley, you've got um, you know you hit that Pacifica uh, group of players over there. How are all the boys going in the Super League? All your all the Pacifica boys. Give us an update on Connie Harrell. Thomas Luluai, um and and also you're, you're catching up with your good mate Freddie Tuolagi, whose boy plays in the in the centres for the English rugby union team. How's that all going on? Yeah, well, good timing, oh, because we're um, we're just about to announce a 30-man squad for the the All Stars game against England, and um, on the 18th of June, uh, got Ellery in there. Uh, I spoke to Al. We had Tim Sheen's coaching last year. Um, and mate, he was great. And then, obviously, he's gone back to the Tigers. So we got uh, Ellery and uh, I spoke to Al and, and see if Al would coach them this year, um, knowing that the boys would love him. Um, and Ellery's just been calling all the Kiwi boys and the Island boys over the last two days because he's going to announce a 30-man squad. So they're all good, mate. Um, I think Conrad's going going well at St. Helens and Will Hopawati and, and those guys. One bloke who's, who's going really well this year is that Mason Lino. He's at Wakefield, you know, coached by Willie Pochin. He said to say hello to you too, Rob. Nice. Um, so he's he's done really well uh, this year. He, I think he it was a bit tough for him last year, but he's found his feet and he's he's one of the main halfbacks over here at the moment. Um, along with that, that Calippi at Wakefield's going good, and there's quite a few of the boys that. Um, Hull FC as well, Carlos, uh, Chris Sarte, uh, Manu Mel, and they're all going well. They're all few, going well. A few Warriors boys' names in there. Oh, Mason Leno, I always thought he's going to be a good halfback for mm. the Warriors eventually. Uh, good to hear him. And Willie Poaching, we know that used to carve up back here in New Zealand. Now a good coach at Wakefield. Mate, must be excited about Samoa coming over to the World Cup. Uh, take us through how, you'll, how your city got to host them. Yeah, well... Listen, we we missed out on um, on getting a game in 2013, but um, obviously, as you know, with Kevin and Tony Iroh, they were with the Cook Islands and the Kiwis. We had a friendly here. I brought a friendly here to Donny um, the week before the World Cup started, and we hosted them here. So that went well. Um, obviously, I just went and spoke to the mayor and the CEO, who's now the CEO in Wellington, uh, Joe Miller. Um, I said, listen, we want to try and bring World Cup in 2021. Um, mm. As you say, 22, but it is 21 World Cup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because World Cup comes around every four years, mate, so it's got to keep in line with that because France have got it in 25. So I uh, spoke to the council. They backed us. Um, the mayor backed us. Everyone was on board and as you know, and Donny, if like the mayor said when we were in the meeting to the World Cup people, if you're speaking to Carl Hall, you're speaking to me. We're all together here. Mm. So we were, we thought we'd get a game, um, and one thing we promised them would fill the game, you know, fill the stadium. That's what they were worried about. Uh, our bid was that good, and we went that hard, and we went global and got everyone back in us. Um, we ended up getting three games, so with that well comes expectation. So we've got to um, 
full three games now, and they're not probably the most attractive games, you know, but uh, Greece and France and Samoa and Greece and then the big one, PNG and um, Wales. So it'll be hard, you know, with, with the just from where they come from, there's, you know, if we had New Zealand, England, easy. Um, but we're also hosting Samoa here in Donny, which is huge for us. What about the delay, um, Carl? Obviously, we're, we're a year delay. Has that caused any disruptions with the organisation, or have you been able to probably do things that you would probably weren't able to do if if the World Cup was in October? Have you? Um, has it caused any kind of setbacks for you? Uh, for us, it's, for us, we didn't stop. You know, when obviously there was the COVID and all that, and you know, I said to our team here, listen, we just crack on with the schools and. We don't do. We stop when uh, they tell us it's not going to be on. So we went right through it. I think we we sort of helped the teachers here in Dummy because they didn't know what to do with their kids, and we were doing one of the uh, resource of the World Cup stuff. So for us, it was good. Uh, we've, we've the, the kids in Dummy have learned the Sivatao and all that sort of stuff. So they'll, they'll be great, as you know. They did the haka to the boys when they came um, in 2013. But I think it was the right call because it, you know, no crowds and it went ahead with it, no crowds. Um, what it has done is made us all do a lot more. We can, you know, put a lot more into the school kids and all that. And you know, these kids in Donny still talk about the Kiwis and that when they came in 13. So you know what the Samoa boys are like when they get into the schools and start doing some stuff with them. This will live you know long in their memories for many many years. Mm. Hey, mate, well, thanks for taking the time. I know it was pretty hard to get you off the training paddock uh, uh, this morning. You know, you, I know you're still out there doing 400s and pumping big big weights in the gym. You're looking fantastic. Um, mate, give, give all my best to Allie, Allie Hanley too, mate. I haven't, haven't um, seen him for a while and say hello. Uh, wish you all the best, Hawley and Doncaster. I've just got one shout-out for you. Yep. Ed from Tolliga Bay here, mate. Said he played schoolboy Kiwis with you. Do you remember, do you remember Ed from the East Coast? Um, no, mate. No, he's the dementia set, isn't he? Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a bit old now. I'm getting a bit old now. I forget about those things, but I can't even remember who you are. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't worry, mate. You're wearing my crown. I'll come back one day and pick it up. All right. Good to talk to you, brother. Okay, good to see you, man. Talk soon. All right. Sweet. Kimpy just has to get that one in there, eh? Awesome. The, the oh. Great question, Izzy, about the delay in um, the World Cup, but it sounds like they've spun it to a real positive, eh? You know, with that community yeah. kind of attitude, and that's what you'd hope that events could do. Yeah, look, obviously you want it to happen when they when it was meant to happen, but it's given them more time to promote it. Those weren't obviously the, the big star games and, and the big star teams, but it's, it's, it's a Rugby League World Cup. It doesn't matter. I saw. I remember when the World Cup was in New Zealand and uh, the not so big teams going around the country and just seeing the the fans and community really embracing it and just really getting behind it. That's what I get the feel for Doncaster. I think they're going to really cherish just having any sport, any Super rug, uh, Rugby League in their town. And um, mate, it's good. And, and you're right, Kempi. We haven't even spoken about it. The Rugby League World Cup it was delayed last year. It was kind of put in the background. Now it's Fast approaching, uh, we've got the NRL on and it's flying. But end of the year, 
We're repping them yeah. to a World Cup, mate. Not far away. And that's we mate, we do it mm. so we're so poor. Um, no one in New Zealand's even got World Cup on their tongues at the moment. They probably don't even know that it's actually being played at the end of the year. But just, you know, Hall used to mm. sell appliances, mate. When I remember coming up here in Dominion Road, just down in Chinatown where it is now, he used to um, work for a dude in there who, who sold appliances. And to, to do what he does, like, no, he runs that Pacifica group up there. He got Tim Sheens to coach the side last year. Now, that's no small get. And makes a phone call to Ellery Hanley, who's an absolute legend up in the UK, and says, um, Al, can you come and coach these boys, you know, the Pacifica side that play in England? They beat them for the, the first game was last year. They beat England, who were going to the World Cup. So, um, mate, he's a, he's a local boy done good up there. And he, he can open some doors up. You know, he's he's got the gift of the gab. Uh, he's trying to sound a little bit too professional there. I'll give him a tune up on the on the phone call when I call you him back. You said Mike Tyson, mate. You said Mike Tyson. Is he mates of tight? Yeah, Andy Booker, who who's a good mate of ours. We played with him up in 89 up in England. Um, I played with him in 87 and Books was still there in 89. He ended up being like Mike Tyson's manager up in the UK. Um so and Mike came into the UK quite a lot of a uh, lot of time. So Hawley got to got to be close to him and and knows him really well. But mate, it's you know you remember the guy Tony Adams that played. Um, he was yep. a he was a fullback for Arsenal. Yep. Well, Tony Adams was a chair um, for the RFL. Yeah, funny funny story. Eh? Like comes out of football, chairs rugby league mm. in, in the UK. The RFL became real good mates with Hawley. You know, it's just all these touch points with him, and he just. He just, when I was texting him this morning to say, mate, come on and have a chat to us about the World Cup, he goes, but you know me, I just like to, 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 to stay, stay under the radar. And I'm like, man, no, you don't. Get out there in the front and, and promote, <laughs> promote the game. Um, he does little things like really, he really cares about people. You know, like remember Robbie and Henry Paul? Mm. So Robbie Paul's mm, a legend yeah. up in the UK. And he got Robbie Paul to go into all the schools in Doncaster and teach them all the, all the primary schools and teach them the haka for when the Kiwis showed up in 2013 and all of these Pommy kids got up and did the Kiwis a hucker, mate. It was just, just outstanding. Un, un, unbelievable. But no, that's what type of bloke he is. Um, he, he's married to an English girl up there, the, the sister of the bloke whose bar we used to go and drink at um, up there, King's Head it was called, uh, still with um, Kaz and uh, yeah, just killing it, absolutely killing it up there. Kimpy, Mate, we're... Oh, sorry, Lou, you go. No, it's easy, you go, man. I was just, I, I was, I've got a thought that can wait wait till later. It's just about the Super League and guys like Mason Lino, so it's a little bit off topic. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that Henry Paul and Robbie Paul, where are they now? Hey, they were, I loved watching those boys ripping up. Hey, they were so good. Yeah, Hen, look, Henry Paul came up as a junior Q with Frank Endicott in the junior Q in 1994, I think it was. It was mm. 1994, I saw him them training at Featherston. I saw Henry for the first time. And then the following year, he made the World Cup. He played in the semi-final when we played Aussie and Ridgie hit the post in that, that final play before we went to extra time and lost the game. Um, he's still up there. He played for England, obviously, with Rugby Union. And Robbie Poor's yep. brother came up there, followed him, and played for Bradford, mate, and was just a... They, they're all over TV and stuff with Rugby League now, um, running their own little businesses up there and doing really, really well. So the Paul brothers got, you know, but, but there's so many of those stories. It's like Freddie Tuolagi. You know, Freddie Tuolagi went up there playing the centres with Johnny Schuster, you know, for Halifax. Um, you get, and, and then he, oh, mate, I remember when that boy was born. You know, the boy that plays for England? I remember when he was born, mate. He, was, he, was, he was something like 14 pounds. <laughs> True story, mate. And he's a, he's just, mate we, we went to a barbecue at Shoes. We went to a barbecue at Shoes, you know, and they got the summer. I'm 
they got the pig on the spit out the back in the middle of winter, you know, snow on the ground and turning the pig on the spit and you're going to have a few beers and that. They bring the baby out, mate. The baby started talking to me. How you going, Tony? I was like, it's like a, he had a full head of hair. It was like, yeah, looking at a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> no, no wonder he's playing for, no wonder he's playing for England in the centres as a giant, mate. But, but Freddie's that type of bloke, mate. He's so funny. He's got his own, he's, he just opened his own business up last year. Like, you know, Connor's done the, what's that, that whiskey stuff. Well, Freddie Tuolagi's yeah. got Tuolagi Gin up there in England, which he launched just last year. Oh, Kimpy, you've got the best mm. stories, mate. That's so good. He started talking to me. G'day, Kimpy. Hey, um, I wanted to ask you about <laughs> Mason Lino and some and the transition for NRL players to go play in the Super League. I want to know what's different about him, why it does take them a, a year or so sometimes to find their feet. So we'll chat about that and the Warriors team named after this. Baz Nizzi for breakfast. That was Carl Hall. If you missed that, awesome chat. A Kiwi who has done himself real good in the United Kingdom. Go have a listen to Baz Nizzi for breakfast on on our podcast channels here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Certainly are 26 when it's past seven. Shout out to Ed and Tolaga Bay for sending through that message about Carl Hall. Uh, everyone in Tolaga Bay or around that part of the world today, um, I guess, hope that you're, you're keeping dry and the damage isn't too bad. We'll catch up with Ricardo Christie in not too long. He is in Gizzy, so he can give us a bit of an update on the weather due to get smacked with some terrible, terrible weather. Now, one thing Carl said, Kempe, that I found interesting is Mason Leno's been tearing up the Super League this year. I know, I think I've asked you about this before, but it's something that is really curious to me how players that might be Jets in um, the NRL or the New Zealand or Australian style of rugby league go up there and it doesn't quite translate or it doesn't work for them and they end up coming back with the tails between the legs. But then players that might not have been hitting it off down here can go up and stick to that sort of competition like glue. Is there any natural differences in this era of Super League that you can tell which suit sort of different sort of players? Oh, it definitely suits the Pacifica boys. Um, big and strong. You know, it's a fast game up there. Uh, and what, what you see with a lot of them too is if they go to the right club, they choose their manager chooses them the right club, they end up settling there for a long, long time. You know, if, remember Fekka Palacino played for the Warriors, so he he's up there. Mm. He's got an he's got an English wife. Uh, you look at Logan Swan when he went up there in the back of the back of his career, he ended up uh, marrying an English girl. Carl's up there. They they really buy into that culture up there. Um, so. Yeah, I'm really surprised with Mason that it's taken him a little bit longer to kick on. I I actually thought he was going to be at the Warriors for a number of years, a tough kid, a little bit like um, um, CHT, but he he just got a few injuries and just couldn't get himself right. He's at Wakefield now and he's Willie Poaching. Um, Willie Poaching was playing with me at Wakefield, so that's how long he's been up there for. He's been up there 22 years. Uh, Played for the Warriors, went up there. He's now just picked up his first Super League coach's role. Uh, with Wakefield Trinity, I think he's won four of the last five. And Mason is obviously loving the way he's coaching him. So a good player, Mason. What about the style, Kimby? You touched on they play a fast brand of rugby. Well, like, Why does that suit? I, I thought, uh, when I first initially thought about it, I was like, the boys, they hate the cold. We obviously know that the UK <laughs> is freezing up there. But, but why are they able to transition and and suit them better up there with the NRL. Like, what's the biggest difference between Super League and NRL in your eyes? I think the I think the social acceptance is the biggest difference. Mm. You know, in the NRL, you know, when I was playing at Newcastle, you're on the the back three pages of the Newcastle Herald. 
you know, they said they had their own yeah. newspaper, then it translate you into the Sydney Morning Herald, you get stories about you, you just couldn't walk around in public, and you're in the public eye. When you go to England, the first thing you lose is your profile, because no one knows who you are. Mm. You know what I mean? You're playing, yeah. you're playing up the north of England, all they talk about is soccer, the only people that know you are the people, people in your town. You know, so places mm. like Castleford, um, you know, Huddersfield, places like that, you, 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 you sort of get spotted, but... You, you lose that profile, and what that does is it makes you relax. And then the best thing about the English that I enjoyed was their social, the way that how social they were. You know, they really, I, th- I, th- I think about it quite often, like why did I really click up there with the English people? Well, mate, they just accepted you, you know. It, doesn't, it didn't matter. Like we, for instance, Ellery Hanley, you know, is in, and you have in one side of the room you have Ellery Hanley, on the other side of the room you have Gary Schofield. Could, two couldn't be any different. You know, and then you've got me and Kevin Edor and Craig Innes in the room, you know, three boys from New Zealand. But when we were all sitting around, when we were all socialising, we just got on like a house on fire. You know, you could, you could, you could say things that didn't hurt feelings. You could do things that um, you were comfortable with. Uh, and, and I think that translates as a, to going on on the football field and really relaxing and enjoying your football. And I've got to say, the football up there is fantastic. Yeah. The standard, nice. the standard is, uh, I think it surprises a lot of people. And when you tune in on a Sunday morning weird. or a Saturday morning, I think it does. Like I've been, I've been uh, guilty of sitting in front of the TV, going, "Oh man, this is so good to watch." Like, why don't we give it the credit it deserves? And when you look at the caliber mm. of players that do transition from this part of the world up there, and it's not necessarily because they're at the end of their career. Some of it, it's just some some people, it's just a better option, and that's what you're talking about. It suits you and your personality down to a T a lot better, Kimpy. It's Great information, mate. 29 away from 8 o'clock. We're going to talk a little bit of surfing with Ricardo Christie and not too long. Double eight, double three is the temper bedpost text machine. 0800 150 811. Who's an NRL player or a rugby league player that succeeded up in the north for you? Someone that you watched go up there and kick on and have a really great career. Some of the great names in league have played in the Northern Hemisphere and in the Super League, Tony Kemp being one. Who else have you got? Send us a message. Double eight, double three. Here's Araha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. SENZ, Baz Izzy for breakfast, 27 away from 8. Plenty to come on the show. Still, Wayne Smith up after 8, and we're going to talk the race by Grins with Jack Trainer later on. Uh, Ricardo Christie, though, surfing. Yeah, they're at Bells Beach, that iconic surf break down there in Victoria. It's the round of 32 today. We've got Griffin Colapinto, Owen Wright kicking off the first heat, Kaio Belly, Nat Young. If I go down to try and find you the heat of the day, well, it might be hard, but... Kanoa Igarashi, who is on fire at the moment, is surfing against the wild card Mick Fanning. He's not full-time on the tour these days, but he's back, and I know the Aussies at Balbs Beach, where he has had so much success, will be loving to see Mick Fanning out there. We're talking NRL. We're actually talking rugby league, see? I've done it again. We're talking rugby league, and how it is going up in the north, and we caught up with... Carl, who was Kempi's old mate, he left him up in the UK a long time ago, CEO at Doncaster, and he spoke about the Rugby League World Cup and how they managed to get the number of games they did, which is going to be awesome for his particular community. As you know, and Donny, if, like the Mayor said when we were in the meeting to the World Cup people, if you're speaking to Carl Hall, you're speaking to me. We're all together here. So we were 
we thought would get a game. Um, and one thing we promised them would fill the game, you know, fill the stadium. That's what they were worried about. Uh, our bid was that good, and we went that hard, and we went global and got everyone back in us. And we ended up getting three games. There you go, three games. Another New Zealander flying high on the world stage you might not have been too aware of, Carl Hall. And it has opened our eyes this morning to the influence New Zealand's got in the north of Rugby League and around the Super League. I just asked for some great names of players that are going really well, Kempi, and double eight, double three, we've got some great texts. Yeah, we've got some here. Look, um, Sam Thompson, Sam Tompkins, obviously we know from the Warriors, springs to mind, uh, was... Was I say was a jet in the UK came to the NRL and was let's say below average in return to the UK and became a jet again and and that's exactly what look I was one of those blokes when he came down and, and thought that he was going to really kick on uh, unfortunately for us he didn't and there's another text here from Richie which says Kim do you think the Warriors should do a preseason in the UK and would it help them I think I actually think when they played that that club championship game between the grand final winner of the UK and the grand final final winner of the NRL, I think it set your season up really well. It was a good way to get away for a pre-season, do a trip, set some goals, and also get a hard game of footy in um, while you're up there. So, Richie, yeah, I do think if they go up there, it'd be, be a, um, a wonderful opportunity there. The other thing I just want to touch on quickly, Louis, is, mate, they've got some players up there of size. You know, the UK boys are massive. You know, we think Pacifica boys are massive. Mm-hmm. But you have a look at, if, I, I don't know, Izzy, if you've ever had a chance to stand next to the Burgess brothers. Like, man, no. I got a chance to stand next to them in Australia one day, and I was like, oh, my God. You know, they they are literally, like, you know when they say they're a huge man? They are, they are mm. huge people. Yeah, well, make some of their off-field issues a little more terrifying, doesn't it? Oh, exactly. <laughs> and Sam Burgess, when he, when he, I don't know if you ever remember, that Fui Fui Moi Moi went over there for the Kiwis and ran directly at Sam Burgess in the English side when he mm-hmm. made his debut as an 18-year-old. Yeah. And Sam Burgess flattered him, mate as an 18-year-old. <laughs> and I remember that day yeah. going, who the hell is this kid? You know what I mean? And then the rest is history. Mate, what about Sam Tompkins? Can I just ask you about him? Why wasn't he able to transition over here? What it, well, I was the same, mate, just seeing what he was doing in the UK, coming over here and just never really kicked on. Was it a, was it the team he was in? Or, or do you reckon he could have succeeded if he went to an Australian side? Oh, 100%. I, I personally think it's a team. I think I, He came on on the back of the relationship with Dean Bell, who used to run their junior program at Wigan, I think is possibly how mm. that came around. Um, paid a massive transfer fee for him, had to pay it back when, they, when he went home, um, and just never kicked on with the Warriors. But I remember when I got first asked about Sam Tompkins coming over here, I'd been watching that football too, like all the time, and went, mm. man, he's going to be a sensation. He's the type of fullback. I was saying he's the answer to Billy Slater, you know, but <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately yeah. Um, he wasn't our answer to Billy Slater. He was just far from it. And, and un, you know, un, un, unlike that decision when he went home and now with Catalans, he's playing awesome football again. Yeah, back to somewhere near his best. Sam Parnapa was one of my favourite Kiwi players in England at the time, Shane, in Auckland. And there's a great text here around culture that we'll get to before the end of the uh, hour, Kempi. Just hearing you talk about why it works up there and the lack of profile, then putting that back to our lens around the NRL. Very good point made on double eight, double three. But Ricardo Christie, our last male surfer on the WSL CT He's coming up after this to give us a bit of a weather report out of Tolaga Bay, but also talk surfing. Who was the guy on the World Surf League Tour that put the fear in him when he drew him? That's what I want to know. Who was the ultimate competitor? Rick probably isn't scared of anyone because he's so chill, but we'll find out. We'll see what he's got (laughs) to say. 22 minutes away from eight. Coming up after this. 
back from eight, and the message is he tipping form came in hot again last night. Hurricanes one to twelve. <laughs> Lol. I said Moana will score twelve. They lost fifty three to twelve. Hey, <laughs> open years. No, no, no. I was well off. I was well off. They proved me wrong. I thought the rain was going to be pouring down, but it fined up, and then the hurricane smoked them. But Moana, they look very, very tired. Anyway, that's enough of that. We're going to talk some surfing. There's not a man that loves a long rolling right that he can smack the lip off more New Zealand than Ricardo Rickdog Christie. And with Cyclone hitting Gizzy at the moment, he's probably getting the witty on as we speak because he's as mad as they come, as our, our mate Rick. And uh, he's the last man that was on the WSL Championship Tour. He's currently in Gizzy selling real estate too, doing a great job in G-Town, and he is a good friend of mine. I welcome him on the show, Ricardo Christie. Good morning, brother. Morning, Kazi. How's it going? (laughs) (laughs) Going good, bro. Going good. Got Tony Kemp on the show with me and Louis Herman Watt, mate. Yeah, Uh, bro. How are you? How are you going? How's how's Gizzy? Talk us through the weather, mate. Is is it all good? Has it hit yet? Uh, Yeah. Kind of turned to shit last night, eh? <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's not that great out there. I um, I got up early, the crack of dawn, to see what was going on because there was rumours of some swell coming, but it's kind of dead flat and just windy and pouring down with rain. <laughs> bit of a stitch up. That's a, yeah, that's a bit of a stitch up, mate. Are you expecting um, posters? I know after a bit of a weather bomb, all the surfers and Gizzy yourself included get excited. Is there going to be any swell coming through in posters? Um, there's like there was supposed to be, but um, I don't know. Maybe it's been overhyped, like most things lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey Rick, it's Kempi, mate. Hey, just um Hey bro. Hey bro, how you going? You know I'm a mad king yeah, surfer, bro. Um just take us through like cuz a lot of the pub- public wouldn't have a clue, bro. How hard was it to get on the WSL cuz I know working with Ella for such a long time and trying to get her onto the women's tour. How hard was it yeah. for you actually to get around the world and win all those um CT events to to get the numbers to get on the WSL? Uh, yeah, man. Um, it was, it was a challenge. Um, yeah, to put short, it's, it's pretty crazy looking back and actually realizing what I had to do to do it. Um, when I was, when I was a hundred percent immersed in it, you know, that's just what I was doing. I was just head down doing whatever it took, but looking back and then I've been working with, um, working with a couple young groms who are trying to do the same. And just trying to simplify my process a lot because I feel like I was just doing a whole bunch of different things. But um, you know, I kind of had to learn for myself as I went along. Um, so trying to simplify that process for them has been quite an interesting way to look back at what I did. Um, but yeah, essentially, you've got to travel around the world for the majority of the year and be away from home, you're, you know, you don't have that support system. You, you, the majority of the time you're away, you're hanging out with your competitors and there's just a lot of things that you've got to get comfortable with um, before you can really be at your peak performance. Um, and, yeah, just it's not easy in NZ as a surfer because there's not much support there because um, it is 
You know, it is an individual sport and, you know, it's not your usual kind of sporting code. So there's a lot of challenges and, yeah, you just got to be determined and push through all those challenges. And, and yeah, I was stoked to get on there. Yeah. Um, in retros- yeah, it was a mission. <laughs> in retrospect, mate, I just want to I just want to say, like every surfer in New Zealand, when you got on that tour, Rick, had the TV on and was watching and rooting for you, and just couldn't believe that we had finally our, our Kiwi man standing up on top of the waves with everyone else around the world. Just what was it like, mate? You know, like what was it like getting the wave to yourself in around the world at the right time? Chopes, you know, Bells Beach. And getting out there and just knowing that you're in amongst the best in the world and that you you were competing in the top, what was it, 15 back then, was it? 15 or 16? Uh, yeah, I was top 32 when I was on. Um, I think it still is. But yeah, you've got to, in order to get in there, you've got to be in the, you've got to place in the top 10 in the, the Challenger Series, they call it now. Um, so you get in the top 10 and then you qualify for the top 32 or 34. So, um but yeah, it was it was it was incredible. I remember the 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 first event that I did um, on the Gold Coast. I was just in awe. I was all of a sudden um, like like the qualifying series is one that's a beast that you've got to conquer. Um, mm. But you you really get to know everyone who you're competing against, and <clears throat> it's just a whole bunch of grinders just you know doing what they can to qualify. But then, when you, once you get to that next level, you're surrounded by your your heroes. You know that that first event, I was I was hanging around with Fanning, Joel Parkinson, Taj Barrow, Kelly Slater. Like yeah. these are my heroes that I've just idolised my whole life. And then all of a sudden, I'm you know just around them like all the time. You know we're all hanging in the area and you know going out to dinner and having beers after a surf like. It's just a crazy. <laughs> it's a. It's such a, such a dramatic change from being on the QS on the qualifying series to being at that level. Everyone's a lot more calmer. Everyone's sorted. Everyone's just really focused on being the best athlete that they can be. Um, whereas on the qualifying series, you're just trying to get by, mate. You're just mm. you're on the hustle. You're grinding. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> It was it was pretty cool. Yeah, Rick, I was uh, I was able to witness the commitment that you had to put in, mate, to get on that WSL. And uh, I vividly remember sitting in Hawaii with you, mate, and we were just talking about it. You were just about to crack it, and the, just the grind and the hustle that you've had to put in, mate. And uh, I was one of those guys that were proud as seeing you um, on the big stage and, and fulfilling your dreams, mate, and, and surfing extremely well. What about what about when you're on the tour, mate? What was your what was your favourite event? What was your favourite event or favourite surf spot to surf? Um, Chopu, the scary Chopu in Tahiti, mate. Like, tell us a bit about that. Yeah, that that wave is um, really frightening. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the, the last the last year I was on a uh, few years few years back, it was there was a massive. Uh, yep. West swell, and I had a heat. I've never, I've never seen it like that. Um, I don't know how big you'd you'd call it. It was solid eight to ten foot. West, really west swell. So it, it so it looks like a 
a proper closeout on the dry reef. You've got to kind of get in the barrel and then come out before the, the dry reef at the end. But I was sitting in the channel before my eat, and I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> I, like, I, was watching paddle, I was watching people paddling into these waves going, wow, they're going to die. <laughs> they, were, they were pulling in and, and coming out, getting spat out of these barrels and pulling off the back. And I was like, nah. Like I can't do that. <laughs> <That's messed up. laughs> we just <laughs> so I paddle into this heat, and I've I've got I've got Geordie Smith man on man, and then there's an overlapping heat going on. Julian's out there with someone else, and and I was just like, wow, like I've actually got to take off on one of these things, <laughs> otherwise, like the whole world's watching me. Like I can't not take off. Take one, yeah. <laughs> but, um, I'm going to get a hiding. Oh, 100%. Well, it's just, I've never, you know, because I've never been there when it was like that, it was just all new for me, and I was learning on the fly in a heat. Um, But, Mm. so that's what I'm trying to, that's what I'm trying to get at with these these younger kids that I'm working with, like, as a mentor kind of thing, I'm like, all right, well, don't put yourself in my position, make sure that you go to Tahiti and, and, so you're comfortable when you do get to the tour. Mm. Um, go to yeah. these, go to these spots and really get yourself, yeah, in that space where if you are competing against the, the best in the world, you you know exactly how to do it. Um, mm. And I guess that because you're chasing this world qualifying series for so long, you've got to kind of commit to that. And it's so the way that they've done it, it just doesn't really make sense because you go around the world yeah. surfing these little crappy waves to try and get onto the tour. And then you get onto the tour, waves are like Chofu, J-Bay, Bells, <laughs> like all these incredible waves. So, um, well, yeah. Well, Rick, trying to have a Rick, you're going to get... Yo. You're going to get cut off in about 10 seconds, bro, so I'm going to have to say goodbye and thank you so much. But, mate, love that chat. It was outstanding. I'll text you right now, brother. Take care. <laughs> All right, bro. <laughs> Love you, bro. bro. <laughs> you too. Shop the Maggie's Magnesium Range at Chemist Warehouse, now starting from just $3.19. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. Wow. One minute away from eight before we get over to Aroha. That was Ricardo Christie, and it was a Ricardo Christie I've heard. I've heard many a times when we are sucking on a couple of cold ones in the gizzy heat. But I uh, didn't expect him to be like that on the airways. He was outstanding, as my man Ricardo Christie, and uh, talking about him, what he's doing with the youth at the moment, and just being vulnerable on the airways, talking about those situations he was in just before he's about to surf on the World Surf League, and he had doubts, and when you have doubts, you're probably not going to perform the way you want to do, and he's sharing that with young surfers, young grommets, as they say, in Gizzy. And just hopefully they can uh, you know, learn from his mistakes. Great, great get. Coming up, we're going to talk to Wayne Smith, the doyen, the goat, the best of the best. Smithy coming up for a McCafe coffee catch-up. I'm going to get one right now. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. Shop the Maggie's Magnesium Range at Chemist Warehouse. Now starting from just $3.19. This is Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ.
Yeah, good morning. You just joined us. Welcome in to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ. We're just after 8 o'clock, Wednesday, the 13th of April. And wow, you just missed that last hour. We had the great Carl Hoare from the UK talking about the Rugby League World Cup coming up later in the year and just sharing some stories about why the Pacific Island players have been so successful in their transition over in the UK. It was great chat with Carl Hoare in that 7 o'clock hour. We also had Ricardo Christie. Ricardo Christie, ex-WSL surfing competitor on the world stage. Now he is doing real estate in the Gizzy town of Gizzy and Wainui Beach, Okatu, and he's an absolute champion, and great to have him on the show, and just really surprised us. It was a great little chat with Ricardo Christie there, so um, yeah, I've obviously been up and dancing, I'm so tired, wow, I'm so unfit, what's wrong with me? <sighs> anyway, keep your texts coming th- through on double eight double three. Is that what you called it? On the text machine. <laughs> yeah, mate. Uh, obviously, uh, look, look, there's a bit... This, uh, this COVID, I, I don't know if I can blame COVID or I just feel so tired now. Is it COVID or is it just me? Getting Maybe old, mate. The KGs. <laughs> what do you, hey, Izzy, what do you reckon about this text? Kempi, yeah. do you think the Warriors need to play at the White and the Bears every year to toughen up? <laughs> <laughs> Forget sending them to the UK. Back in the old days, 100%, mate. But I did take actually take the Warriors to White Did you know that, Louis? No, I didn't, Kempi. I did, mate. I took them Did you take them around the mountain with Al, Sherrick? No, uh, uh, no, but I have got a couple of stories about Al Sherrick and the Warriors, but we'll share those another day. Oh, they're not on-air stories like when Al made you fess up about Bruce Sherrick and Eden no, Park. No, he was in Melbourne one. He was in Melbourne one year. He had races on in Melbourne, and I had we were playing Melbourne. I was coaching the Warriors. <laughs> he made me come to the pub, mate, at two o'clock in the afternoon. We were playing that night. I had to sink a couple of quick points with him, talk about the races, and get back to the team for for the team meeting, mate. He's just yeah, that's Al. Beautiful. Hurry up, get here. Mm. Nice, nice. Well, uh, this, uh, we're going to have a wee tack left. We're going to talk some rugby union right now, and it's time for our Mick Cafe coffee catch-up because he's been credited by many, including myself, as the best best coach to step on the rugby field. He's got a CV which adds up to a lifetime of success, and the Blackburns and NZR have come up with a major addition when they announced Wayne Smith would be stepping in to assist their coaching group ahead of this year's women's Rugby World Cup, and I'm stoked to have him on the show this morning. Smithy, Wayne, the Mantis, the Goat, knows how to get anyone going, and, well, trainings are harder than any test match that I play when you're under Wayne Smith, and he's on the show this morning. Morning, Smithy. Morning, Izzy. How are you going? How are you? Good, good, Smithy. How are you doing? How are you going, mate? Well, I hope you're better behaved these days. <laughs> Come on, Smithy, tell us a couple you, of stories. What do you mean? <laughs> no, I meant I meant at training. No, no, I wasn't talking about it. Private life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Smithy, tell the yarn about when we were warming up. Me, 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 and Corey were warming up, and we we're offloading. We every ball, no balls touched the ground, but you ripped me up. You ripped me to shreds. Me and Corey weren't allowed to warm up. Ever again under your watch? <laughs> I can't remember that. That, that might have been Ted <laughs> did that. No, that was you. That was you in the 2011 World Cup. I'll never forget it. We weren't allowed to warm up for the entire World Cup. Anyway, we weren't allowed to do anything after what went on in that quarter final. But we won't bring that up, mate. Um, no. Tell us about. <laughs> no, no. Tell us about how you getting on, mate. How was um? 
how's it been getting back into the coaching realm and, the, and you had a big camp last week with the Black Ferns? How, talk us through the week. Was it was it a good week to um, to get some things done with with you and the girls? Well, it's it's been interesting because um, essentially I'm retired. You know, mm. I make a cup of coffee at seven o'clock in the morning and go back to bed, and Trish and I sit there and look at the sea and think about what we're going to do today. So, you know, pretty rusty, <laughs> mate. Going, going back into yeah. full time coaching. Um, but I loved the week. What I loved most about mm. it was the players, the girls. You know, when you're presenting something or you're talking about the game, they sit on the edge of the seat and they got shining eyes. Mm. You know, they they really want to learn. And so um, I came back pretty excited, actually. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great to hear, Smithy. It's Kempe here. Um, what's the one thing that you want to insert in that side before you head off to the World Cup? Well, good day, Tony. Um, yeah, well, as Izzy will tell you, I'm pretty weird. <laughs> <laughs> what's your You're theme? Weird, what's your I, theme? I, <laughs> yeah. I, do, I, do a lot of, I do a lot of different things. Um, you know, I grew up coaching and... Um, in Italy, so you're bound to be slightly different, aren't you? So um, yeah. I think think for me, um, I've never really followed the herd, you know, and, and looking at the the games from the end of year tour with the Black Ferns, um, we've got to do stuff differently. You know, we've, um, we've got to change the game. Um, we've got to be prepared to play. One thing I've seen with the girls is that they're so dedicated to doing things right and they want so much detail that sometimes um, they're, they're scared of making mistakes. Mm. Whereas, yeah. um, you know, if you're doing game-based learning and you're making the, the training difficult and you're putting them under pressure, then mistakes are actually a catalyst for learning. So you can't, you know, if you're not making mistakes in our trainings, then um, unless you're Izzy, you know, never made mistakes. But if you're not making mistakes in our, in our setup, then the training's not hard enough or you're you're not bold enough to have a crack. So so that's something that I'm going to be trying to work on and um, hopefully it'll be exhilarating, the sort of game that we play. Um, But we'll see. I've only had a week, so it's hard to get a real feel for it. But certainly excited about having a crack at it. Yeah, I had a good chat with Chelsea earlier about it, and I said, look, oh, one thing you'll you'll get from, from Smithy is trainings will be 10 times harder than any tough test match that you've played. And uh, when it comes to the game time, at the time, Smithy, I was thinking, man, this is ridiculous. But then you get to Saturday, and that's the fun time, and you've prepared for every what-if that is going to be thrown at you, and that is the detail that you provide. And that is why you've been so successful, I must say. Uh, Smithy, well, what you've been able to see over in the UK, and, and particularly with England and, and the kind of, you know, the, the the separation from either sides over in the UK, what what would be the biggest um, area of of improvement that you would love to see from from the girls if they're able to compete come the end of the year against the the UK sides? Well, I think the big gap um, between us and England and France is simply professionalism. You know, the, the English girls have been professional for, fully professional, I think, for about three years. Um, the French, something similar. So um, there's bound to be a big difference in terms of um, physical fitness, strength, power, all that sort of stuff when you're training all day and every day. Remember, our girls have been like I was probably back in my time when you worked, you got kids, 
Mm. Um, we we trained at night. They'll train at night. You know, and it's it's a way more difficult um, life, and it's um, more difficult to get to those same conditioning thresholds. So um, I think that's that's probably the biggest difference. So they're well ahead in that area. We've got 215 days or something, 214 days before a World Cup final. So we've got time. Um, we've just got to create a, an attitude and a commitment to it that um, helps us catch up to, to those teams that have been fully professional for longer. Hey, Smithy, just on that, you know, you've obviously worked it all out 214 days before the World Cup final. Uh, for me, probably three points that you make there. In those 214 days, what are the key elements um, within your team culture, within your uh, with with knowing that there's a lack of professionalism around the team, and then creating that winning chance, um, I guess first of all to get to the semis before final. Um, yeah, so selection's going to be key, and uh, there are some complexities there. I, and the other thing I don't know if it is 214 days. I just see that figure in <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's got time. Um, there are complexities around um, selection because some of the girls, some of the players that the whole country know well, the Portia Woodmans, Stacey Flulers, Sarah Hermione, Tyler Nathan Wong, um, Kelly Brazier, those girls, they play sevens as well. So they've got a Commonwealth Games um, coming up mm. and there's also a World Cup sevens this year. Um, I understand that Rugby World Cup 15s, women's 15s, that's what I'm involved in, is top priority for New Zealand Rugby Union. But you're still going to have to allow for, for girls to to play both sports and then um, switch over pretty late. So I think that's, that's one thing that's going to be an issue. Um, other than that, uh, as I said before, they're, they're really keen. Um, they're hugely interested. They like new information. They like detail. Um, so I think we've we've just got to put in a, a program not too different to what we were doing the All Blacks. You know, Graham Henry's um, going to be with us and overseeing things. Um, there's good coaching staff. Um, got got a got a really good good specific staff. You know, in terms of nutrition and and strength and conditioning and that sort of stuff. So there's no reason why we can't put a put a really top class program in place. And, and develop this this team, but as I say, we've only just started, so got a wee way to go. Yeah. Hey, Smithy, I might, may I ask? Like you've you've retired more than Conor McGregor, and I can understand why. <laughs> you, you've got so much time in the game, but you're constantly finding the love. And what what was it about this challenge that really excited you to to come out from your from your beach house, your mansion with Trish on the on the ocean side, and and come out and and have a wee crack at this? What was what was the main Reason why? Well, I was I was going to um, Waihee to catch up with Mark Robinson, you know, CEO of New Zealand Rugby, on early January, I think it was, and um, yeah. he was in Fungamata, so it was halfway. Uh, on the way there, I was thinking about, I think I'll offer my services to the Black Ferns because I'd seen them play on tour, saw the big difference yeah. in quality. And um, I've just got a little story around um, when I was a young player down in Canterbury, um, 
a guy called Laurie O'Reilly, who was a top family lawyer, one of the top in the country, and became commissioner for children. He was my he became my coaching mentor. He was a great rugby coach um, for university, and he was really involved in women's rugby. Um, so he got me involved at a young age. Um, I had uh, when I finished playing and I became director of coaching for Canterbury. Um, I had a group of staff coaches, and three of them were women, women players: um, Jackie Apiata, Natasha Wong, and Mary Davy, who helped me run coaching courses and that sort of thing. So I had an involvement from from an early time, and, I, and, and then Laurie, Laurie passed away really sadly at the age of 55 from terminal cancer. And he was a big loss to me and to women's rugby. Um, I actually got to speak at his funeral three, day, uh, three weeks before he died at the casino. And I think he wanted to check what we were going to say about him. <laughs> he, was that, he was that sort of character. So going to this meeting with Mark, I thought, yeah, this would be a really good tribute to me, to my old mate. Laurie O'Reilly, so um, that's what I did. I said, look, I'll, I'll be interested in, in um, helping out if, if that's what you want. Nice. Nice, mate. Well, I, I think they'll be really uh, happy, I know, particularly with Chelsea Alley, when, when she heard the news that you were coming on, they were really excited, mate. And uh, I know everyone speaks really highly of you, but I've only got nothing but good things to say about your success. And there's only a reason is you're so passionate and you love the game of rugby, and I can only see them doing extremely well from this. Um, Smithy, we're going to let you go and get back to your retirement life. What are you up to for the rest of the rest of the week, mate? I know you don't switch off, but what, what are you doing in your spare time when, you, when you're away from the footy field, mate? Um, footy. Like, <laughs> I only sort of, really, I only knew a week before we joined camp what my role was going to yeah. be, and, um, you know, I've got a lot of work to do to catch up. Um but next Monday, next Tuesday, Ted and I have a heli fishing trip to Great Barrier Island for the day. Oh. So um, who's taking oh. who's taking you out, Smithy? Do you know the guys who are taking you out? I know a few of those boys. No, no, I don't. I hope they're good. Yeah. Oh well, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Take your surfboard, mate, <laughs> if you live by are. the coast. Hey, before you do go, I do want to ask. I know coaches get to do this quite often and call the boys into the room after something they've done wrong. What was that one for Izzy? When you had to call him <laughs> in and say, "Mate, I need to talk to you about this." What was it? Um, no, nah, as I said, I'm slightly different. I think Tony. So the first thing I asked him, I think, was what he was good at. And Jeez, he would have given you a list, have- wouldn't he? Well, after half an hour, we got on to a couple of things that he needed to work on. <laughs> Beautiful. Nah, he, oh, was, uh, nah, he was exceptional, mate. He was exceptional to coach. Um, best player in the world for a while, wasn't he? Is he? And nah, he's, a, he's a great man to have around the team, that's for sure. He I'm sure you find is. that, Tony. Oh, yeah. certainly. Certainly love. I love the bloke. I just don't like what he wears, yeah. that's all. <laughs> <laughs> At least he hasn't got any oh, facial hair at the moment. <laughs> no, he hasn't oh, got a princess you have yet. You've seen the new crop. You like my new crop because it was horrible when I was running around in your team, uh, Smelly. But anyway, uh, we won't talk about that. Yeah. There's more of it anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, there, is, there is a lot more. There is a lot more, mate. Hey, thanks very much, Smelly, for coming on the show and, and give my love to Trish and, and enjoy the next couple of months. And uh, yeah, good luck. we'll be watching with interest to see uh, what you'll be able to instill into the Black Ferns. Thanks very much, Smelly. Thanks, guys. Cheers. See ya. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you were, you were cringing in that chair. You were cringing right. in that chair. 
Oh, look, honestly, he's he's Smithy. He's an absolute champ, and and he's only like a WhatsApp text away. But still, you just just that voice, eh? When he talks, you're just like on the edge of your chair, and you're you're in his room, and he's got like a you know the, uh, he's got about three trees on the wall. He's cut down that many trees to put all these uh, white pieces of paper through the wall. You got colourings, <laughs> you've got all these numbers, you've got all these things. It's like um, you know, Einstein's room, and and it's it's pretty crazy. But he is just an absolute magician. And he his ability to get the best out of everyone. Like you never want to let Smithy down. Ever. I, I loved what he and, said, you know, like change change the game, prepared to play, dedication. Um, you know, they seem to like a lot of Pacifica people um, get scared of making mistakes and what he said about mm-hmm. the training and being bold enough to, to train that way so it becomes normal. Um, mate, is, it is a breath of fresh air. It's such a con- contrast when you're talking to him, is he? Because when you talk to him, you talk to him as an all-black coach. When I talked to him, it was when I watched him run around the number 10 for Canterbury back in the day when I was yeah. playing first 15, you know what I mean? And then for, obviously, the all-blacks and um, all that sort of stuff. So, mate, love talking to him. Yeah, legend. Absolute legend of the game. Uh, and he's a loyalist to rugby. He's a rugby man through and through offering. And that's a great anecdote about Laurie O'Reilly as well. Uh, he's a legend, a great mm. New Zealander who will have a legacy or has a legacy for a number of reasons. Women's rugby, one of them, but his work as the children's commissioner is he? It's pretty incredible. Mate, I'm not surprised he's going back and giving back to the Blackburns. Like, he does so much for so many foundations, so many people around the country. He actually does. Uh, a lot of work for the New Zealand Foundation for Cognitive Education. His younger son, or his son Josh, has actually got cerebral palsy, and um, he does a real lot of work for them and just always giving back, buying time. Goes to a lot of auctions, gives up jerseys, memorabilia. Mate, he is just constantly giving back, and uh, he's an absolute champion. So, yeah, it's <laughs> still the coach, eh? I was pretty, pretty uh, had to sit on the end of my seat when I was talking to him. And <laughs> Yes, Smithy, yes, he, Smithy. <laughs> he had your back. He didn't want to rat you out. Unlike the bloke that's coming up after this, and it's not Joey in the kitchen, Paul Moati, <laughs> live from Petoni, in his studio. He's knocking on your door as he go let him in. It's 22 minutes past eight. Chemist Warehouse, great save eggs every day. With results in 15 minutes with Helgen COVID rapid antigen tests from Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. This on SENZ. Well, from one goat to another, and you gotta see this to believe this. I'm right next to the one and only Paulie, the party starter, Moate. How are you, brother? Oh, good, thanks, Dizzy. Uh, really, really good to be here. And I. I can see why you turn left because I'm sitting next to uh, your. <laughs> I'm sitting next Oi. to your, your Louis Vuitton luggage. <laughs> <laughs> tell it out there, boy. Tell it like it is. Boy. Do not come in here. How do you know what it looks like? Someone showed me a photo. <laughs> not come in here and embarrass me like that. I didn't expect that. Anyway. Paulie Moati, TAB live update, bet live on your favourite sports. Now you've rinsed me. Give me some odds, mate. Give me something to have a wee punt at. Well, let's have a look. Well, I did have a look at the race just before I popped up here. Um, the biggest bet so far is a $1,000 bet on self-assured. Um, but as I said yesterday, there's been a wee bit of action about Krug. There was a $200 bet at $15, so... Uh, and a number of other bets on Krug. So best back so far Can't is win. self-assured, but but Krug Can't win. Uh, has seen some support. Wow, <laughs> Louis, he's he's coming in hot this morning. Um, had another look. 
I had a look at the NRL as well, and South Sydney have been very, very well supported. There are a number of multis flowing through South Sydney, even though there's no Luttrell. Um, mm. I, guess, I guess, I don't know. If we look at the Sea Eagles, there was no Tommy T against Newcastle last weekend, and they put them to the sword. So, uh, But a number of multis flowing through South Sydney and... There's a few flying through the Warriors as well. The, the faithful haven't given up. The faithful haven't given up to beat the Roosters, mate. Um, oh, it's great to be in here next year. And uh, I was wondering if you got a song for me because you knew I was coming in live. You dropped me a McCafe coffee at the door. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. But you got anything for me? A little freestyle? Come on. There's no, I'm not freestyling this morning. I, I, I haven't had my coffee yet. So <laughs> I've got a few things to do. I'm, I'm just trying to be... Uh, I've tried to have a look at what's happening this morning to steer the punters into something good. Um, And, of course, there's a couple of playing games in the NBA uh, later on today. And I can tell you that Brooklyn have been very, very well supported. Brooklyn Nets. um, If you want one, if you like to follow the money, the money's on the Brooklyn Nets this morning. Okay. Hey, Paulie, I've got a a couple that I wouldn't mind knowing what the odds are. What's the Roosters' halftime full-time? Um, pain and also there's one at Ruakaka today, which is coming hot, mate. I mean, like it's coming, it's still coming in. It's dropping from the heaven here. This thing called Peerless Warrior in the last at Ruakaka, it's coming from 16s. It's currently nine bucks. Someone knows something. You heard anything in there? Well, someone knows something. It, it, Kempi's asking the question as if he doesn't know the answer. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Where are we? Sydney, Sydney. Dollar thirty-six. Ooh. Roosters, Roosters. That's not enough Dollar value, Kempi. Roosters, Warriors, 15 bucks. Let's go. Hey. What do we reckon? That's why I asked Roosters, Roosters, is he? Are you going against the Warriors? Oh, surprise, surprise, Kimpy. Yeah, old Cyclops Kimpy, you can't pick the Warriors. (laughs) Paulie, it's great to see your face, mate. Uh, (laughs) Louis (laughs) Vuitton. (laughs) Louis Vuitton. Look at that. (laughs) Just just when you think he's a man of the people, it almost looks like Paul feared his life for a second there. Daggy, he's a big boy, he's got big shoulders, and you don't want to have him drop one into your solar plex. Paul, uh, thank you. Paulie next to me. Yeah. What a what a warm sight it is. You guys look like brothers lost from other mothers. It's uh, great to see you. There's a little bit of resemblance <laughs> there, actually. <laughs> Paulie, we'll talk all things the race tomorrow. I want a full market update on the race tomorrow because we're heading down there and uh, we'll go in depth on that one. Until then, hopefully, make sure you get Izzy to shout you at McCafe Coffee and... Um, yeah. About time you did something. <laughs> deep pockets, boy. Look at his arms, boy. Short arms, deep pockets. T <laughs> Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Paulie Mawadi, the party. He'll be back tomorrow. Right now, it's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we're shaping and building New Zealand. SENZ 26 away from nine. Jack Trainer, the horse trainer, not far away to talk. Stylish Memphis and the race at Cambridge Raceway by Grins, of course. Beave, Anton, and DMAC with the sponsorship there. Great to see those boys getting involved.
And we've got a text here regarding Ruakaka. We'll get to that in not too long. Wayne Smith, Izzy's called him the GOAT. Izzy would know. He got coached by him. And when you hear him talk about or talk like this in terms of what's motivating him and what he's loving about being back off out of retirement and out of bed with his cup of coffee, you can understand why he's such a great people person. It's been interesting because um, essentially I'm retired. I make a cup of coffee at 7 o'clock in the morning and go back to bed and Trish and I sit there and look at the sea and think about what we're going to do today. So I'm pretty rusty, (laughs) mate, but I love the week. What I loved most about it was the players, the girls, you know, when you're presenting something or you're talking about the game, they sit on the edge of the seat and they got shining eyes. You know, they, they really want to learn. And so um, I came back pretty excited, actually. No, you would be. And getting coached by someone that cares about the game like that and enjoys you learning like that, oh, if, you heard, if you heard that today, you'd be like as jealous as I've ever been about Izzy to be around, surrounded and know a man like Wayne Smith. That is very, very, very cool. Guys, have you got one real carcass today? Something to double up on spanking tomorrow night. Just kidding. Go self-assured. Remember, winners are grinners. Jerry, Kimpy's got something for you. Peerless. What was it? Oh, mate. No, no. You tell us what you've got because you reckon you've found one and you've been getting Joe to empty his pockets. You reckon you're putting all you're putting your money on it too. What is it? Sam Spratt today, I think, has got a winner Ooh. named... Joey's gift. <laughs> and it's in race number five. It's gelded, is it's it? Got, it's a mare. <laughs> it's a mare. There was actually another one that I thought, there was another one that I thought Joey might be uh, all about, but it's a first starter, so we can't, we can't back it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, I don't think that'd be a responsible tipping. It's called Love Affirmations. So that's pretty close for what we could get Joey to go on in race four. But this one, Joey's Gift, it ran a huge race last start and it ran just in behind Highborn. And remember mm. when we had a big fill up on Highborn and it was a really smart ride by Michael McNabb? Well, the form is good here. Joey's Gift today. Sam Spratt has won so many times in those colours, of course. Uh, good barrier. Hopefully can bound it to the front. It's not. It's it's pretty much really well rated in this race. $5, $2 each way all day. Joey, that's how you can get money to buy yourself a nice suit tomorrow for when we go to Cambridge, right? I'm on a hey, I didn't appreciate that gelding uh, comment, Kimpy. I was I did I did hear that. <laughs> I'm a man, Kimpy. <laughs> That's what I love to hear, Joseph. That's what I love hey, to hear. What's the plan? What's the plan, Kimpy, when you when you're driving down? Are you, I'll get a box. You know, what, what have you got? <laughs> <laughs> Sit in the back with Joe, gonna, snuggle up and really get to know him. I've got a good trip down there. I've got two go, days. I've got two days it, with Joseph. I can't wait. It. Yeah, he just told me he's a man. He's, he's stepped up to the plate. Let's see if we can hit a home run. I can't wait to see Joe produce a full mail run show six superchargers deep. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, it'll be fun. Late start, though, lads. 8 to 11, eh? Feel a bit of a sleeping on Friday. How good, lads, eh? Where are you? We get a, we start the radio at 8 o'clock on Friday. Oh, right. Right, right, right. right. Uh, you not know that, mate. This, it's because the party starts at nine o'clock down in Cambridge. Just finished till midnight. No, I did know that. And do you know? Do you want to hear some exclusive news, Izzy, about what we're doing between eight and nine? Yeah. Bruce Sharrick, CEO of New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing in the horse capital, one of the horse capitals of New Zealand, Cambridge. He's joining us live on site down there, and we're going to go all things thoroughbred racing and what the industry can be positive about and what the industry needs to know. So that'll be exciting. 
Nice, nice. Well, I'll see you at nine then. Hey, <laughs> 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 oh, who, who was your manager? I'm joking. Who, who was your player manager when you when you were um, like filling your pockets, mate? You, he's probably still doing that for you now. Who was yours? Uh, I'm, I was with Halo Sport uh, back then. They were called essentially, but they're Halo Sport now. Simon Porter, he's the CEO of. Uh, of Halo Sports. So I was with Sai, I've been with him since I was 17. Yeah, I was a young fellow and he was outstanding. An absolute champion agent. And that's a huge uh, decision that young players have to make and I can only speak highly of him. Well, it's worked out okay, judging by that Louis Vuitton bag. 21 minutes away from 9 o'clock this morning. Paul Limoati, the absolute party stitch up of the week. We'll be back with Jack Trainer talking the race after this. Listening to Baz and Dizzy for breakfast on SENZ. 16 away from nine this morning. Gee, it's hard to get these blokes to work around here. Oh, what, about, what about you lead into it? Like, it's, you know, 10 minutes out. Can you can you stay stay here and do something at 9.30? It's like, yeah, no, no, I'll just put that 9.30 off, eh? I'll yeah. just... always thought Kempi was a workhorse. Um, oh, we out. might have to just check with old Bruce Harrick on Friday mate. how he'd get the best out of Kempi. You will want to be here for this one because you, you keep saying you want stories about Kempi. I think Bruce... Eight till nine on Friday will be story central. We're going to be in Cambridge. (laughs) (laughs) The reason we're going to be in Cambridge is because the race by Grins is only two sleeps away at Cambridge Raceway, and with the three for Joe, and with the even even nap on the way down there, and with the draw completed, the excitement is well, it's palpable, team. The only mare in the race is Stylish Memphis, and she's got the best draw because she's the mare, so a little bit of a leg up there, preferential draw. So she's going to have the pigs. Trainer Jack Trainer, he holds the key, one of the keys to the race, I would say, because who gets the all-important lead is going to be crucial when they hit the post for the last time. Jack is a Kiwi. He's from Dunedin and spent a bit of time at Christchurch, and then he's been in Australia and he trains Stylish Memphis, he drives her, and he is on the line this morning. Jack, how excited are you a couple of days out from the race? Yeah, um, g'day guys, thanks for having me on. And um, yeah, I'm really excited. I, obviously, I can't wait to get involved. And um, yeah, just really, really privileged to be able to um, bring such a good mirror over back to my home country and be a part of such a historic moment. It is, it is, and it mm. feels like a historic moment, so I'm glad that, is that what the trainers and the drivers that are involved with us, are you guys, is it is the fizz real, not just because it's $900,000, but because it's something a bit different? Yeah, definitely, I think, um, obviously, uh, with the horse racing, you know, most most people, obviously, the money's great, and that's what we keep us all doing it, but um, just the prestigiousness of being a part of a race like this is um, something that helps get you out of bed in the morning and make sure that all the one percenters are done right. And yeah, it's definitely a major part of this race for sure. Hey, Jack, Jack, biggest um, threat? Oh, well, the, I've run the race through my head a hundred times and I've come up with a hundred <laughs> different winners and different scenarios. So I think that's what makes this race so good is with the barrier draw, the, no doubt the best horse being self-assured. He's got the hardest draw, and he's going to have to put in the biggest run, but it'd be hard to say mm. that anything else is the biggest threat with him in the field. He's just such a great horse, and, um, yeah, even from the wide gate, I'm not treating him lightly at all. Hey, well, what are, hey uh, Jack, is he here, mate? Uh, what is the difference between uh, the hardest racing in New Zealand, uh, in Australia, compared to New Zealand? Have you noticed anything different from, from being here? Um, yeah, probably it's probably just probably the aggressiveness, I suppose. A lot of the Australian racing mm. is done over the short journey, and um, 
it seems to be a matter of you know, you sort of are a bit more tendent to be more aggressive out the gate to get a forward spot, um, as obviously you don't have much time in between to make a, a move. Mm. And so tactics probably aren't as strong in Australia, where New Zealand racing still seems to be very tactical. And um, yeah, it's just mm. something that I'm looking forward to coming back to the old style of racing. And um, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, but Jack, on that, you say you've run the race a hundred times in your head. Do you think it's going to be the old style? Well, because there's a few of you, when you're a Kiwi, but we'll call you an Aussie bloke for this purpose, a few of you Aussie crew out there, <laughs> and there's that natural aggressive aggressive Aussie pressure drive, and then you've got Brent Mangos, who, remember what he used to be like, he'd t- arch the back and take anyone on. Do you think that over 2,200 metres we might get some fireworks over the first 600? Yeah, I'd say so, and um, yeah, you could... Mango then in the race is a big help for everyone. You'd swear he is an Aussie, but um, yeah, it's, it's I, I don't think it's going to be a pedestrian style race. This one is too much up for grabs, and um, and the way the barriers have drawn, some of those speedsters, Ben Altralando and Matt Dan, uh, are obviously going to use their gate speed. So I, I think it will be a, a fastly run and aggressive race the whole way through. And like I said, I just can't wait to get a part of it. This, the slot race, Jack, do you think, um, obviously we all, we all think it's a great thing that they've, they've uh, done for harness racing. Um, just give us a, a thought of what the Australians think of it, um, being here in Cambridge and New Zealand. Yeah, it's, um, it's obviously a credit to the club and harness racing in New Zealand to, to be able to pull something like this off. And it's, it's a lot of talk about it in Australia too. And I'm sure um, with Cambridge leading the way, I'm sure it won't be long at all until Australia jumps on board with the same sort of concept. It's exciting. It, um, yeah, it brings all different parties to the race, whether you're a slot holder, an owner, a trainer. And, um, yeah, obviously, and what it's done, it's, it's brought all some of the best, if not the best, horses in Australasia all to one race. And, yeah, I know I can speak um, that in Australia, it's all, every bit is a bigger deal as what it is over here. So um, something that, you know, Harness Racing in New Zealand and Cambridge should be really proud of. I think they've led the pack, and I'm sure there'll be plenty to follow. Hey, mate, apart from David, Anton, Jonty, Caroline, Brett, Scott, Jason, who are a part of the self-assured team, if it gets up, they win some money. Apart from them, tell our listeners why Style of Memphis can get the job done. Yeah, well, obviously the draw is just a major help for her, and um, so I'm hopefully yeah. I'm not going to have to go around a single horse and uh, the draw definitely puts her in the race, and, and I just know that she's a mare that can follow any sort of speed, and, and she's actually better coming off a hot speed. So if some of the, the big guns have to do too much work or, or they don't get time for a break and, and I'm just covered away up on the fence somewhere doing no work, I know that she will um, run home and she'll still you know put in a, put it in a devastating sprint. So that's my biggest chance is that other people, other, the others have to do too much and I don't have to do anything, but... Mm. Um, yeah, like I said, win, lose, or draw tomorrow. We're just really happy to be a part of this race, and yeah, can't wait. I'd just like to apologise on behalf of my colleagues for the loudness that's going to be there race side <laughs> uh, during the race. You got Tony Kemp, you got Joey Bow, who's going to get well annihilated on the way there, and then you got <laughs> Louis Herman Watts. So apologies for the for the loudness from no, the SCNZ crew. Don't don't you don't need to you don't need to apologise because we'll share a beer with Jack afterwards and we'll do it ourselves when self assured wins. Nice. Jack, um, can you just uh, like <laughs> and, and you know if some of that pace does come early. Don't, Hey, don't be afraid to just kick up, mate. Just keep that pace real genuine for us. Make sure make sure there's a bit of speed on. Um, obviously, I wouldn't be telling you how to do your job, though. Mate, uh, <laughs> no way at all. Now, 
Australia opens up today. The Aussies can come to New Zealand. There's emotional scenes at the airport as we speak. Our owner, Gene Feast, or the owner of Self Assured, is coming over. So that's great. This whole event is awesome, Jack. I think it could be the Karaka Million of races here in harness racing in New Zealand if they get it right. And I think you should be very proud to be involved with it, mate. And we'll see you tomorrow night. So all the best. Hopefully you get some sleep tonight mm. and you don't uh, take the race through another thousand times in your head so you can just have a bit of a chill out. And uh, good luck for tomorrow. Yeah, no, thanks very much, guys. I appreciate it. Beautiful. Jack Trainer, Good awesome. young dude. What a name, mate. They make a movie out of that. Trainer the Trainer. Jack Trainer. Yep. Like. But yeah, that's a Netflix, <laughs> I bet you it's a Netflix movie of Stylish Memphis wins. Because well, what a name, Stylish Memphis by Jack Trainer. <laughs> hey, is, uh, is Ruben going with you? Ruby G. It's a great question. Yeah, Ruby G. I yeah, I, I just, I just, I might have a word with him. I just might go say, look, can you just make the trip? I just feel like you need to make the trip. Just the because I'm looking at Kempy's eyes and they're glowing. <laughs> they are glowing. I just feel like Ruby G needs to be there. Okay. Well, we maybe even that'll hard. He's so responsible. No, Joe, Joe, <laughs> I, I'll promise you, it's all jokes. Tomorrow, we are on air from 7 o'clock till 9.30. Mm. Joe is going to be producing the mail run. Mick and me will be on air. Kimpy will be holding, for, telling, holding court, telling stories about swinging arms over the top back in the day with some great clients of ours. I'll probably we'll be s- an owner of Self Assured before the race. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see Dave Branch <laughs> at Cambridge Raceway. We'll see Ken Brecken and Hydroflow. I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. The race by Grins, the first ever harness slot race in Australasia, tomorrow at Cambridge Raceway. Let's bring it on. Seven away from nine. We'll catch up with the doyen, Ian Smith, after this. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto, don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.